welcome to episode 223 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man over in Oakland, California. He has neither had a McRib sandwich or a filet fish What kind of world does he occupy? Let's find out. It's Randy Michael Stapp. That is true because I, uh, I, I keep a clean temple over here, you know? I'm standing up doing this podcast right now, mostly because I went to the chiropractor yesterday that said my shit's all fucked up. So, yeah. You went to the chiropractor? Yeah, I've had uh, problems with my right leg forever now, and it gets worse in the winter. Um, and then I went to the chiropractor, and essentially he said, like, yeah, some of my, like, pelvic bones and stuff were, like, in weird positions. So uh, I got adjusted, and I got to go back on Tuesday. It gets worse in the winter? Can you tell when, like, it's going to rain or something? Because I we used to have a coworker that um, had gout, and he claims that he could uh, predict yeah. the weather because of his gout. <laughs> and then uh, I called bullshit on that. I've never been able to pre- predict the weather, but I don't know. I think it's just That's a cold. matter of getting cold. I don't know. All right. Well, what, did the chiropractor do anything for you? Yeah, it felt or pretty good. Take your money. Of course. Yeah. Forty dollars. Forty. That's not bad. Do you feel better? Uh, yeah, it's not, uh, you know, it's not like completely over with, but, uh, it feels better than it did yesterday. Yeah. Well, I mean, your, your back may not feel lighter, but your wallet sure is. <laughs> we now know- oh, I hit the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Joining us always in our, one of these episodes for the intro is Oksana Valerian of Osachi. Oksana, now we have been in this room since 11 a.m. and it's currently 4.44 p.m. What have you been doing all day? Uh, I, God, what have I done? All right, this is great. <laughs> Thanks for coming in, Oksana. I spent too much time playing a dumb game on my phone. I read a lot about- Angry Birds? No, God, that was like that was like ten years ago. I know what the kids are doing. <laughs> um, it's some like Tetris bastard bastardization. I'm sorry. <laughs> Poor bastard. I hope he survives. <laughs> oh, um, and and I've been reading some of the press releases that we've gotten in our email. Oh, very good. So you have been working. Thank you for that. You're yeah. the only one who's done that today. That's not true. Russell has as well. I do nothing <laughs> except be cool, make people laugh, and wear sunglasses. Also, killed them for not eating McRibs. We're going to eat McRibs tonight. And it's going to be... Oksana, tell us what can we have uh, this week. <laughs> aside from a McRib? Uh, aside from a McRib. <laughs> Tomorrow, a movie comes out that I have been very excited for since I read about it a couple weeks ago. Called Don't Click. It's going to be in uh, limited theaters and streaming on Friday the 11th. It's essentially about a haunted porn site that uh, transports two men to a dungeon that they share with a supernatural entity starring a Skarsgård I didn't even know existed, Valter. Oh. Valter Skarsgård. Walter. There's so many of the of Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Walter Skarsgård. <laughs> oh my god. Yep, that's a Skarsgård if I've ever seen one. How many children does that man have? Look because... at this. You know, he looks like a baby, but he's like 43. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in Lords of Chaos. I don't even remember which 
who he was in Lords of Chaos. Um, oh, he wasn't. He played Bard. Okay. The Immortal. Yes. So that's gonna. You know be what they out. say about him. Motherfucker doesn't pay taxes. Continue. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's going to be out on the 11th from Gravitas, who I also was part of the um, press releases I was reading was about their purchase of Grizzly 2 Revenge. Oh, I'll be dull. Which will be out in January. Um, more information later. As in next month? Yep, next month, next year. Very nice. <laughs> it's like 37 years in the making. I'm not 100% sure why. Because why not? I mean... Anytime, Oksana, you need to ask the question, why? George Clooney's in it? You need to know why not. Oh, we got we got uh, Laura Durney's in this, bro. Yeah, there's a ton of, like... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see well, that it one. it looks great. When it's finally out in January. That's sarcasm. <laughs> All right. Um, so also out on the 15th, on VOD, Blu-ray, and DVD, is Mark The Mark of the Bell Witch which is another um, Small Town Monsters production directed by Seth Breedlove. It's the first attempted documentary telling the story of the Bell family, who for about five years was haunted by an apparition that was um, determined to destroy them and kill their patriarch, John Bell. Oh, John. And it is coming out 200 years after his death. Oh, that's a very long time. <laughs> I don't know if he was killed by the witch, or otherwise. Well, if he's 200 years old, age killed him. <laughs> no, his, his, uh, anyway. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. <laughs> um, and then this week, also on Friday the 11th, is the opening night of Another Hole in the Head, virtual edition. Hey, now. They have full access passes that are $125. Individual tickets are $10. And they have packets that are um, for. 10 movies for 75, 5 for 40. All of that information is on ahith.com. All right. A T. Wait, what is it again? A H I T H. Yes. Nailed. Why were you looking at it and not able to say it? And you looked away. You don't you know where it. I'm looking because I've got sunglasses on. That's true. Thank you so much. I'm like Chris Moneymaker. They, so they have a poker player. That's over. his real name. <laughs> Uh, they have over 250 shorts in their program. Over 40 no features. <laughs> 250 so... shorts? Where are they going? To the beach? <laughs> that was me leaving. <laughs> All right. For any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those at podcast at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not even my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hour is available on Facebook as The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hour is available on Instagram as The Overlook Theater. And The Overlook Hour is available on Twitter as The Overlook Hour. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Randy. Uh, I forgot to watch uh, another round, which Oksana talked about last week from the Balboa, uh, the new Thomas Vinterberg film. So I think I'm probably going to do that. Oh yes, that sounded very good. And then you tune in next week, baby. Okay, and that's on the uh, the Balboas or the Roxies? Balboa. Uh, Balboa. I was just looking at it right now. I got caught off guard. 
All right, fantastic. Um, stay tuned uh, for the interview uh, that we have with Brandon Tanzig and Jill Traeger. Uh, fantastic interview for those uh, cats out in Philly, man. It's a good time. For Russell Fisher, Randy Michael Stapp, Oksana Osachi, I'm Clark William Little. Until episode 224, why don't you keep doing what you're doing? I'm changing up the tagline now. No more have fun lollipops. We're just going to change it up every week. So this week is keep doing what you're doing, friend. <laughs> Very mild. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> further booze continue as we throw it to Creepy Clark. Here we go. I told the doctor as he spread my cheeks to peer into the hollowed halls of my rectum. <laughs> this one's fucked keep, up. Keep going. I won't, he replied. But next time I'd recommend avoiding fire ants. We won't be able to remove them until the swelling recedes. Recedes. Oh god, the button's broke. That board does get a little sticky. So if you, if you don't tap it, because if you press it, then it's like you want to override the file. You're you're fucking up Creepy Clark's whole segment, Clark. Now let's be honest here. Who fucked up this segment is <laughs> listener Sam with this. <laughs> I technically I don't know if we should pay you for that either because you didn't get it. I feel like we should do another take. You do it. You do I it. Know. I'm it not the talent. I've t- I'm sorry that I cold read a fire ant's going into a butthole. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do? I don't know. You look built to have a hand go up there anyway. Hands are one thing. <laughs> fire ants is a separate issue. All right, get out of here. Okay. I'm arguing on air. Randy, what's up, cuz? I, I heard you're the only one getting paid for this. No, no, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and it is true. We have to pay him. Look, man, he's got he doesn't have a whole lot going on. <laughs> is that why we're all here? <laughs> and secondly, true. Secondly, this is the most successful segment we've ever done. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's become the star of the show. Yeah. That's your fault. <laughs> he is the only paid. Does one. does longevity equal success in this case or no? <laughs> no, it does not. Look at Frederick Wiseman. I don't <laughs> Sick burn! He's killing it still. Oh, fucking idiot. Oh my god. I, you know what? Yeah. You and that damn soundboard, though. I told you there's a delay. You gotta hit the thunder strike as an no, 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 and I told No, I told you. I, did, I hit it perfectly. But if you don't tap it, <laughs> then it, it freaks out. That is true. Yeah, and I did it with my thumb, so that's it's a tricky thing. We're getting there week by week. Yeah. But it, this, it is super sensitive and that is tricky. I know there's a lot of pressure too when it's like, you know, all the talents coming from another person and you're just kind of there as like the stage hand. That's true. That's why you used to verbally abuse yeah. me when I fucked it up. I mean, well, let's be honest here. It's not like that I'm in character as another person reading a sentence and no. doing a soundboard at the same time. That would, it's not like I'm doing that. That would be harder. Yeah. You know? So shut so, up. Thank God I'm not doing that. And if you're wearing sunglasses, too, I imagine that would make it easier. Also.
All right. What did you want to talk about? Some food you ate or something up top? Randy, I had a, I have an, I had an idea for a segment. That okay. We could, Russell and I talk about. We want to keep the show fresh, and I've, this is a conversation we have very often. And most of the time, that ends in uh, introducing a character that uh, everyone <laughs> loves, and then uh, you know giving me the soundboard and then doing morning zoo. But so I'm like, you know, let's try something different. I wanted to do <laughs> because neither Russell or I have ever had a McRib, and the McRib is out. I thought this would be you know prescient, <laughs> you know, of the times. And do an on-air eating segment, and of course, yeah, no, I was not down for it because <laughs> Russell doesn't like to eat a microphone. No, I don't like to hear people eat, so I'm like, I don't think anybody. Do you else understand wants to hear that mukbang is bigger than porn? <laughs> it is not. It is not porn. bigger than porn. Not at all. Do you understand how big mukbang is bigger than Pitbull? Yeah, I, I think you're. <laughs> Mr. 305, <laughs> Mr. Worldwide. I think your argument is for the visual medium as opposed to an audio medium. Uh-uh. So I think you're actually advocating uh-uh. for a video. Incorrect. Because you know why mukbang is so big? Why? Because things are Because it sounds. It's not just food. It's mostly food. Yeah, I've, I've seen too much ASMR. There's a lot of ASMR. Especially when you have a roommate who... Blair's we, we have a gremlin that lives under the stairs. <laughs> the only thing that puts him to sleep is incredibly, incredibly loud. loud. <laughs> How are you today? No, it's like, welcome to GameStop. It's- Do you want a game? And it's like, what the oh, fuck? I, I've never been to a GameStop that did that before. Well, you'll probably never go to a GameStop <laughs> ever again. <laughs> I don't think they're doing too well. Yeah. Well, that's that's an industry that um, clearly had an expiration date, and I'm sure the pandemic has only like accelerated it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That and movie theaters. Yep, you beat me to it. I was gonna, oh, man, for the clip segment, I was gonna open up with the, I wanted to find a, you know, a lovable weirdo to talk about it. And they all were fucking making me so angry. Really? Yeah. And not in like a fun way. Actually, you know what? I have one. I think I... Did I close it? Nope, nope. Here we go. Let's listen to a little bit. Greetings, everyone. I'm Casantino, as always, and welcome back to another episode of me just ranting on random shit. Pause the video. (sighs) Yeah. All right. Let's set the stage for our listeners. Number one, you need to know he is in his living room. (laughs) He is in an oversight. Nope. This looks to be a two-person love seat. Love seat. Where he is sitting it right in the middle to make it look like an oversized chair. Throne. Now, let's talk about his background. He has a computer that I'm going to say is some sort of gaming setup. Yeah, totally. Clear, clearly, this man spends a lot of time on the computer. Um, behind him is a Tyrannosaurus Rex <laughs> fat head. It's a fat head, right? Okay. Yes. Because it almost looks like he had a green screen and just put a T-Rex there. I am but- 99% sold that that is a fat head which if you're not familiar <laughs> with fat heads i think they started out as like a sports thing yeah where yeah. you could have sports figures or, or sports logos giant giant um posters but they're stickers they're like and wall they, decals they, they, yeah they're wall decals essentially and um 
this guy's got one of a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Clearly from Jurassic Park. Yes. Yeah. And it is good. There's like shadow that blends in with his wall. and Yeah. And his hairstyle is uh, not too dissimilar to your boy's hairstyle, <laughs> where it's very boring white man with dark brown hair. And his T-shirt. Let's talk about a shirt here. This is a shirt that <laughs> I imagine a 60-year-old dad would wear. This guy is probably mid-30s. Yeah, probably um, late. Also, is that a hole coming out of the um, the middle of the American flag I, t-shirt? <laughs> there's a very tiny American flag in the middle of it. Yes. I think there is a hole. And I think there's a hole right in there where we may can see some <laughs> chest hair. And uh, what is that little pillow puppet he's got over there? Is that from... Uh, That's Oogie Boogie. Is that from Tim Burton's thing? Yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. A plushie. I've seen that maybe half a time as a child. And it looks like he's got your... Is that a RoboCop? I don't think that's Robocop. It looks like a Robocop. I, it's, upon first glance, it looked like something from... It's a Batman. <laughs> yep. Okay. Much lamer. Yeah. So, I was. this guy looked like he would be prime candidate, right? We got 14 views here. I'm going to say he's boring. Uh, he's boring, but also he can't fucking articulate his point. And uh, there's a weird choice coming up here. Probably in, in the vast... Is this his music? Yeah, the music. Corporate stupidity in the entertainment business. Universal <laughs> a couple months ago. Closed <laughs> world tour on video on demand. That's a theme that's going to pop up in another clip I have later where it's like aggressive creeping BGM that overtakes yeah, the what speaker. What is this Bernard Herman fucking <laughs> string music we've got? Dun, 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 dun. And if the audio's bad on that, I apologize. I really did not mean to play it, but man, I wanted to choke this guy out by the end of this video. He's so like, he's so, I mean, he's just shitting on everything. And you, I mean, from the room that you described, also you forgot to mention that there's a fridge in the background. Oh, Joey. I missed the fridge. <laughs> Yeah, well, at first, when I was looking at his computer, I thought it was a vending machine. And I'm, yeah, it's a computer. I don't know. This guy's depressing, and I don't need to hear him talk shit on a... The, again, the topic he never really gets to is about a AMC feuding with, like, was it Universal or Warners? I, I believe it was... Um, I don't know. It was one of the two, where uh, they were going to announce that everything Universal. is going VOD. Universal, because it was um, um, the uh, Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, and Trolls World Tour, like, crushed. It made, like, $100 million opening on VOD. So, again, another industry that had an expiration date, uh, which has been accelerated, looks like it's going to be fucking yeah, movie but again, it's, it's, that's a kid's movie, and I think that's a whole different animal. Very true. I think it's a whole different animal. And I, I don't think movies are ready to go yet. I mean, what, our generation still mostly goes to the movies yeah. i don't know i don't know how it's doing with the younger children my sister never goes but she, she she did go see like uh i don't know any new marvel movie but yeah i don't know it's a bummer and i thought i could find somebody like joking about it and having fun and also this video is recorded august 3rd of this year it has collected 14 views yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> So doesn't look like he's going to be making money to get a new fathead based off his YouTube. Yeah, mostly he was just talking about the trolls thing, too, because the um, feud with AMC happened, I think, two days ago. Had, had you heard about that, Randy? I don't know about the feud. I know about um, like Matrix 4, Dune and all that stuff coming to uh, HBO. HBO Go. 
Yeah. Max, Randy. Basically, Max, um, yeah. AMC <laughs> came out and uh, they were responding to it where Universal's like, hey, we're just going to do VOD. Like, this is where we're going to premiere a ship. And AMC was like, well, you didn't fucking talk to us. <laughs> so kind of like, you know, when you're on that side of the conversation, it's because they don't need you anymore. And it, it's a fucking bummer. And I mean, all the fucking year, Jimmy Fallon's been shitting all over movie theaters. And it's it's all I hear from like non film podcast. Everybody's just ready to kind of discard the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. I know. I didn't I didn't mean to steal your uh, intro food conversation. Look at that with, like, line in between his top midriff <laughs> and his bottom. His belly and his tits are kissing each other. <laughs> Now, I, again, I'll throw this up in the show notes if you want to see what Clark is talking about. Play along with that home. It, do a screenshot of this exact. All right, I'll leave it up there and I'll pull it later. Yeah, he he looks like a bummer. Oh well. What food did I have to talk? No, about? no, it was just it was the McDonald's thing, or just anything. Normally, you like to come in here and be like, "I made a peach cobbler," and it no, blew well, up you... okay, so yeah. we need to address something right now. Uh, the no sugar challenge that was issued by Vito Trigo did not happen well, before the episode went up. Um, yeah, just wanted to let everyone know. <laughs> uh, now I did try and I have for the most part been eating pretty well this week. Yeah. Um, not today, not really yesterday, <laughs> but I'm not making like desserts every damn day. I get it. You so, tried though, right? So we're, we're, we're getting there. Didn't you try and cook like a cake yesterday or something? Not no. a cake, but I thought you said uh, it didn't work. Oh, pancakes. I, oh, I was trying to do Swedish pancakes, but it's very difficult because I don't have the exact pan that I need. And so it, it, it's, it's a very frustrating process. I get it. But and that's a whole separate. It's issue. also like a dessert, too. But uh, I don't know. Do you, do you want to try a McRib today? Uh, not on air. Not on air. I've yeah, I'll try, one, I'll try one after. Randy, have you had a McRib? I've never had a McRib or a filet of fish. Now, Russell, you just had your first filet of fish this week. Yeah, I had week. it last week. How was baby's first filet of fish? Um, it was pretty good, warm. Like it was hot when I got it. Yeah. And uh I while eating it, I remember having the clear thought that if this was cold, it would be garbage. Dude, when it's when it's yeah. piping hot, you can eat that thing in like two seconds. It still feels weird getting fish from McDonald's. I, it's I not don't bad. Know. It's it it tastes it's a very neutral fish. Yeah. And um, I'll tell you, in terms of fast food fish restaurants, it's uh, it's up there. Also, I'm a condiment dude. Like, I'm always, tr you know. I you eat, don't like tartar? I eat chicken nuggets for the sugar in the barbecue. <laughs> I realize that now, and I'm trying to break the habit. I do not like McDonald's chicken nuggets. I think that's why I put ketchup on a lot of shit. I feel like a child when I do it. Uh, the fish filet, I didn't, I didn't add anything to it. You got the tartar sauce yeah, in there. Yeah, it's good enough. Tartar sauce is good. I usually like a lot of lemon. With my fish, though. Randy, I know you're not a big mayonnaise guy, but you're a tartar sauce fan or no? Uh, yeah, I like tartar sauce. I haven't had, like I said, McDonald's uh, filet of fish or their tartar sauce, but I, I would <laughs> maybe try it out. It's not bad tartar sauce. Really I'm good. okay with mayonnaise if there's, like, the smallest amount on it, but when there's too much, I, it literally makes me sick. I could drink it. Dude, have you ever been to Nations? <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. Dude, they put, like, a ladle of mayonnaise and half an onion. On yeah, those fucking burgers. I'm it's, down with the onion. I just can't do all that mayo. Yeah, I usually scoop half the mayo off. If not, just request no mayo. Yeah, and then same. I I gut the half an onion because it's dude. It's they go overkill with the uh the the mayonnaise. Oh yeah, big time. Interesting. 
I think you might be into it though. No, I'm not. I, I'm not for a superfluous amount of of mayonnaise. Yeah, no, I I just think there's a culture that they're tapping into, like diner burger culture. I'm all that you'd about, about you. You've got to have balance. In the pe- force, people ask me all the time. They say, Clark, what makes a good fast food burger? And you've got to have three things, Russell. <laughs> three things are part of that foundation. Ready to know what those three things are? Burger, cheese, and bun. Incorrect. No. Branding, prayers, and a good price. You've got to have good ingredients. Okay. <laughs> you've got to know how to execute those good ingredients. Okay. And you've got to know how to be consistent on the execution of those good ingredients. But no quality of the ingredients. That's the first thing. You've got okay. to have good ingredients. You've got to have quality ingredients. All right. You got to know how to use them, and then you got to know how to consistently do that. So doesn't that eliminate most fast food? That's why In-N-Out is the best. Well, that's like fast they casual. execute that, right? In-N-Out is 100%. Yeah, they're fast okay, food. Okay, yeah. fast food is fast casual. Chipotle, those little Nazis, decided <laughs> that they wanted to, to change up the game. Chipotle is a horrible, horrible company. That you worked for for a long time. I know this because I was on the inside, boys and girls, and I am blowing the whistle. What do they do horrible? They're awful people. No, they're nice. They're awful people. I like it. I've signed an NDA, and I can't say more than that. (laughs) I was, I was, I actually was involved in, I mean, when you work for any company, you get, you you get a civil suit. Civil suits always happen. Um, but yeah, no. Chipotle is terrible. What's the worst thing they did there? Well, just, like really, like what's a bad thing? It's, it's just, it's a bad culture. It's a culture of oppression, over <laughs> overwork. And they, oh, okay. they didn't always pay Man. when they were supposed to pay yet. The, at the time where really? I worked there, mm-hmm, they didn't pay you at the time I worked there. They had two CEO CEOs that both raked in 40 mil a year. Oh, that sounds about right. A piece. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought so. Um, Red the CEO Robin, came to our store. Here's the thing at Red Robin dish. You know, people go there and they're like, oh, I love the burgers. They fucking put their burgers on a conveyor belt. And I'm like, that's a no, no. That's fucking weird. I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> I don't like Red Robin. Like literally there's a conveyor belt drops off on into a little dish and it catches yeah. it. And then you build the burger out of it's, that. It's all about consistency, man. And that's why McDonald's is always up there because yep. McDonald's has set the pace for a very long time. Yeah, and In and Out has taken that and then really sort of frozen it in time because obviously McDonald's is the biggest, you know, one of the biggest brands in the world. So you know they've got to keep up with the times and with the you know the stockholders and you know they're doing all these uh, Travis Scott, Jay Balvin. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> I don't know who Travis Scott was to be honest with you. What the fuck you're but saying? But those things are they they sold out now the McRib. So you know. McDonald's is doing their thing, but In and Out has found the right space, and they they know to not get the overhead too high. They also, they don't mess, they don't monkey with the menu. This is what we have. Enjoy it or go somewhere else. I'm not super into the secret menu shit. The secret, it's all marketing. Yeah, I know. it's all marketing, and it, and it's all self contained. <laughs> They're the best in the business. I'm a big fan of it. Then In-N-Out. how come they fuck up the fry? Tell me that. <sighs> the fry is an interesting thing. Here's the I don't thing. think they fuck it up. I think that's their choice. Oh, to yeah, do it that yeah. way. I, I'm with you. It's they, gross. 
if you just add salt, it helps <laughs> greatly. True. Yeah, everybody's got their remedy. It's it's the weirdest thing. Everybody's like, yeah, I know the fries. The are double good. fry. But if you get them wild style and dump cheese and bacon on yeah, them, it's, it's like, eh, that doesn't help. Well, there is no bacon at In-N-Out. Let's go ahead and get that clear. What, what is it? It's like it's cheese. animal style. Yeah, but what is it? It's cheese and the spread. Oh, also, I didn't mean to offend. I'm and sorry. I think it's uh, onion, grilled onion. Yes. It, yeah. The, as part of the animal style, you got the grilled onion there, cheese and the spread. You got to know the hacks. You got to bring your own jalapenos. Dude, the chilies, <laughs> man. I love the, the little pepperoncinis. You get the chilies on the burger, home run. All right. Love right. in and out. And then I know my sister, McDonald's. My, my family works for them, and they're a great company. <laughs> Hail in and out. Um, do you want to play also, a game? Also, I feel like we talk about this every week. I know. <laughs> yeah. want to play a game? And I got it totally wrong. Because, yeah, they're in Colorado. Who cares? You feel like playing a game? I call it a game. It's not a game. Oh, is this clip one? There's a missed opportunity. Yeah, don't. No, no, don't do that yet. Uh, last week when we were talking about the monolith, I realized, like, it's fucking Kubrick. We should have been pounding those Cobra oh, sound yeah, bits. Yeah. True. So uh, do you want to you want to organically come up with a intro to uh, this week's news, which is monolith heavy? Well, I, mean, I know everybody's excited out there to hear some more monolith. Uh, what's wrong with this intro? No, I, I thought it would be fun. Also, I hate that intro. And if I just sit down and make something better. Um, also, I wanted to play this for you. I, uh, I thought it would be uh, very sci-fi if I got some theremin and you could like play a Cobra clip over it. And I, I could have cut it together, but I'd taken so long in post already or in pre. And you and Randy are going to love this guy that I found. Oh, so, I like theremins. Well, here, uh, just tell me when to cut it and you can play something. I'll cut it. I'll make that the new. Uh, the Shining intro. is a good movie. Exactly. Because we're talking Kubrick. Here we go. This fucking hipster you guys are going to love. song is is fine the fucking video component is ridiculous this fucking dude in his button-up shirt with his hairy chest and his he he fucking exudes the hipster kingdom that he clearly lives in well th- okay but look at what he's doing I, it's tight it I matches up <laughs> i know and honestly i didn't expect to enjoy that as much as i did uh good job you cobra and um who's this guy Mezerg. <laughs> Mazerg. Mazerg, yeah. Uh, Randy, how, what's a theremin run these days? You know, uh, let me guess, like 150. Ooh. Do you want me to look that up? Have I ever looked or bought one? That's a negative. Uh, oh, my God. So that's the one he was playing. 
the Mog. Uh, oh, the first one was a uh, Moog Etherwave. Damn. Yeah, they're it, very uh, expensive. $650. He also had a kick pedal and two keyboards hooked up to that bad boy. So that's so. probably several grand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ren, now, you got a keyboard now, don't you? Uh, it's technically just like a MIDI controller, but yeah. How's that going? Uh, that's good. I haven't messed with it too much, but I've created a couple of just like moody uh, sort of like loops and stuff. Have you created uh, a whole musical album about growing your foreskin back again? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. No, I haven't really thought about growing my foreskin back yet. Well, Randy, I know a guy who can help you out. <laughs> TLCTugger.com. That's... Should we reach out and see if oh, we can do a commercial for dude, it? Dude, <laughs> I'm 100%. A hundred percent we could do a partnership. Well, with I think, you know, if, if we want to be an authentic podcast, doing authentic podcast commercials, you're going to have to try the product. Oh, my God. You're going to have to strap up to the I wall. I do not. <laughs> Let me tell you something right now. If I put that little weight on the head of my dick, my dick would fall off. God. <laughs> I don't need anything. Oh, again, the yeah. amount I pull on my own penis. <laughs> You would think my foreskin would have grown back several years ago. No wonder the fucking soundboard wasn't reacting to your fingers. <laughs> yeah, again, we are talking about a product that grows your foreskin back one inch a year. Grow an inch a year. So from a, a year from now, you can actually make a commercial. All right, you ready? Let's. I'm uh... going to fix me. <laughs> All right. Uh, this week on the Morning Zoo, we're going political. Good clip one, yeah. We now know who took the missing monolith. Four shadowy figures can be seen about to carry away the 12-foot-long monolith in the remote desert in Utah. They posted this video online showing the column after they dismantled it, exposing the interior with the boast, we removed the Utah monolith. They were on a mission. They came out there to do exactly what they did. Photographer Ross Bernard says he happened to be at the site when he witnessed the removal. Just hit the ground with one of the loudest thuds I've ever heard. One of the guys had said, well, this is why you don't leave trash in the desert as they started taking it apart. So who did it? This adventure tour guide, Sylvan Christensen, is now claiming responsibility. He says he and his buddies removed the column out of concern about the crowds flocking to the site and the potential damage those people were causing to the environment. People arrived by car, by bus, by van, helicopter, planes, trains, motorcycles, and e-bikes. And there isn't even a parking lot, he told Inside Edition in an email. Ross Bernards took the last known photo of the monolith before it was toppled. It looks like it must have been tough for them to do that. It wasn't. Like, it was shockingly easy. <laughs> I am so glad that I quit journalism. I'm, dude, I cut that clip down. I'll, there's a lot of fucking What was the guy's it. name? So uh, if you look under there, I did clip one uh, Hans A. Hans Christian Anderson. If you do clip one A, I figured we might want to revisit these new characters introduced. That picks up where they mentioned the adventure tour guide, who I think his name is... Uh, Oh, something Christensen? Yeah. I don't know. If you hit it and you, you press the button again, it will stop the clip if you want to just so go to clip 1A. 1A, yeah. One of the guys had said, well, this is why you don't leave trash in the desert as they started taking it apart. So who did it? This adventure tour guide, Sylvan Christensen, is now very Sylvan Christensen. Christensen. And I knew he might be of interest as he is a fucking militant advocate for 
removing monoliths in the fucking desert. Here's 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 a picture of him. <laughs> okay. All right. You know, I mean, look. It, <laughs> if you hear the name Sylvan Christensen, what conjures in your head? Randy. I imagine the picture that is shown would match up fairly accurately. Randy, we got a dude in a skinny jeans. He's got a a long, earthy colored long sleeve. And uh, he's again, yeah, I'm wearing a ponytail right now. These guys give us a bad rap. He's got a little widow's peak ponytail going on. But the thing that really sells this photo <laughs> is that he's standing over what appears to be a canyon on a uh, trapeze. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he's just he's got his arms crossed and he may have his eyes crossed as well. <laughs> <laughs> he looks smug as fuck. He's so smug. He's I barefoot. Mean, look, like if he is a cross-eyed trapeze artist, good for you, buddy. I my my favorite part of that though. Well, one so last week, we had, how many trapezes do you see? I, dude, I know it's probably where his whole family lives. Um, now, last week, we covered the people who found that the monolith was missing. This week, it's the guy who was there taking pictures. Now, what they don't mention in the article is this dude is a dork. He's some Instagram photographer who went out there with his drone to use a function on drones, which is light cascading. Or something. I'm sorry. Sounds so, like you said light cascade. Yeah, it's um. So he stood on top of the monolith and put his arms up in the air. Yeah, and the drone shined a light down on him like he was being abducted by a UFO. Yeah, that's the picture he took before the four shady, shadowy figures showed up and uh destroyed the monolith. Also, I love at the end of that when she's like, "It sounds like it must have been hard." And he's like, "Really? It no, wasn't. It was very, very easy." <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, the Utah monolith, it's gone. We know who did it. Uh, Bye, bitch. Yeah, exactly. And to me, it sounds like those shadowy figures totally would have wrote "Bye, bitch" in the ground and then peed because this guy's clearly very disgruntled. Um, but yeah, we got more monolith news. Oh my god! Now this one, I I don't even know how to set it up. Let's just let's just play it. A group of young men filmed themselves tearing down the mysterious metal monolith in a California town and replacing it with a wooden cross. The mayor of Atascadero yeah. told Vice that they were from out of town and had driven five hours to knock down the monolith. One was wearing a headband with President Donald Trump's Make America Great Again slogan, Vice said. Wait, wait. The footage Insider saw was too unclear to make out what it said. In it, one man says, Christ is king in this country. We don't want illegal aliens from Mexico or outer space. So let's tear the bees down. They chant, Christ is king, as they rock the monolith back and forth to unfix it from the ground. Vice also reported that the men said they drove for over five hours to reach the monolith. You already said and that. that footage from the car journey shows them singing military songs, making racist remarks, and talking about burning crosses and white power. Right? Oh, <laughs> okay, first of all, where do you get bot news from? I, so, yeah. the weirdest part of this is normally that's what people would call like alt-right. Kind of, you know, like people who don't know Alex Jones and think he's just like some uh, clans member with like a, a news broadcasting degree. It, it's got all of those hallmarks of this is clearly untrue shit we're talking about. And 
dude, what about there's footage of a, a jeep full of white guys? Uh, Rice is king. Well, singing military songs and saying <laughs> racial slurs. Then they show up with a cross to remove the monolith and then make some comment about we don't want illegal aliens. Where's that footage? Well, you know what? I found it. No, you didn't. And uh, go ahead, play clip 2A. I am very excited. <laughs> the cross right here. Because Christ is king in this country. We don't want illegal aliens from Mexico or outer space. So let's tear this bitch down. Come on. Okay, now. What's I, this drone music? So here's the thing. I watch a lot of found footage. This has all the hallmarks of like the phoniest bullshit I've ever seen. I didn't seen. know Trent Reznor was a MAGA guy. No, and well, one, so you know, when you're creating documentary, you can be incredibly manipulative. So most um most of the people we've talked to, you have to take an aggressively neutral stance, right? That is total propaganda. Also, when you watch the video, which I'll throw this all up in the show notes, it is the most it's digital footage with the capability of filming at night, yet it is Half obscured by like a hand. Everybody's super shadowy. If you even listen to the clip that I played earlier, they mentioned the like, you know, Trump slogan on the headband. Yeah. But then like a sentence later, they're like, but it was unclear what the headband said from the video. Yeah. It's like, what? It's dog shit. And also, listen to this guy. The cross right here. Because Christ is king of this country. We don't want illegal aliens from Mexico. This, this guy sounds like Nick Thune, a comedian who plays guitar. <laughs> no, this does not sound like I now I was in a rush because I, I know I make you guys wait so long uh, after the interview to do all this like uh, pre-production and I fucking cut out the Christ is King part. So I have it. I have it queued up right here um, just so you could hear it. Blockchain streaming site DLive under the name Culture War Criminal. A clip showing or do I not have it queued up? Uh, was something about blockchain? No, that was the wrong clip. Here we go. Christ is king. Christ is king. Crystal Ray. Christ is king. Yeah, so if you notice, there was Spanish subtitles because the only people who picked it up is Uno TV. Yeah. They ran the footage, which here, let me mute it just so you can see it. Look at look at how blurry this shit is. And it's like Dude, it looks so bad. It looks like a minimal effort found footage movie. I'll, uh, again, I'll, I'll link this up yeah. there so people can see it. But how, you know, I believe, again, here, I believe in the free market. And when there's supply for a product, right? When we have, or when there's little supply but high demand, what do we do? We, we create it. And now we got Trump gone. The news has become kind of boring again. So we're, hey, man, people want some racism. Let's conjure it up. Hey, man, you believe in the free market. I believe in the farmer's market. Let's get a back. <laughs> put your mask on and let's go to the market. But, dude, a Jeep full of dudes are singing military songs. What does that even mean? What kind of Jeep? That's a point. Like, I don't know what I've been told. <laughs> From the halls of Montezuma dude, to but, the hills of Tripoli. Here's another thing. So now we've seen both the left and the right try to spin these monoliths in some weird narrative. So we have one activist <sighs> down there saving the environment, and we have a group of military, uh, like yeah. a militia, taking out illegal a uh, space aliens. Christo, right. Right? It's like, what the fuck are we doing? We don't know. 
I'll tell you. Let's talk about McDonald's. If we do get invaded, we're going to come together and resist, though. <laughs> Don't put monoliths on our planet. That's true. <laughs> That's the message <laughs> humanity's given these aliens. Um. Anyway, I got one more political clip. This one, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's more lighthearted or not. We, uh, where are my notes? So, uh, Jeremy Buckingham, uh, is highlighting the scale of the mass fish death in an Australian river, and uh, to do to really emphasize how what's going on in Australia, how polluted this river is. Oh, he reaches in and pulls up a fish. Let's go ahead and play that clip three. This is gonna make me very sad. As you no, know, it won't. As you know, I'm a big fan. Of fish? Of both rivers and streams. All right. And the American river system is, is in, <laughs> we're in bad shape. What's right? Australia? I understand. I just, I want our, I'm thinking about relocating to then, then it's even more important that we get this guy's message out. Okay. Here we go. It's a national disgrace. This once magnificent Murray Cod is dead and it absolutely stinks. This is what you get when you don't pay attention this is what you get when you leave the National Party in charge of water in Australia. Dead fish, a massive stink. Oh, sorry, I'm going to stop. <laughs> and effectively it runs into the billions of fish. At the moment, numbers are saying hundreds of thousands to millions. This river system will run about another 150 kilometres. So if you have these type of kills up and down, you'll be talking of billions of sheep, fish. Billions of fish being destroyed by this government. Any last words, Dick? I feel sorry for Jeremy, I tell you. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> Survives. Oh, dude. God, he sounds like Bill Cosby in the background. No. <laughs> Is that not the best audio of a puke? Uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That is the oh, best. Oh, that's all right. We got a new go-to dude, clip. That is the best Foley puke I have ever heard. That's good. Was that puke or dry heave? Uh, you know what do you think? If you had Ooh. to play, if you had to place a bet. Well, I mean, let's be honest here. Oh man, we didn't hear any splatter. We didn't I, hear. Any I splatter. felt like I heard some liquid. Did you? <laughs> it didn't sound that dry, but yeah, I didn't hear a splatter like on the ground. I don't think it sounded dry at all. It, no, no. Oh, dude, it. I've heard that clip. A My lot. dry heaves are intense. <laughs> I've heard them. Have you? Yeah, because I we when both I brush my teeth. Yeah, same oh, thing. No. When I'm trying to get the tongue, it's fifty uh, fifty. Randy, you're right there with us, right? We're all we're all uh, bad gag reflex boys. Yeah, I can't even do X-rays at the dentist most of the time. Really? <laughs> yeah, it takes. They have to numb my mouth like incredibly a lot. I feel like I, I initially, but I fight through it. What? But yeah, I, I try I'm, to, but I, I can't do it most of the time. Oh, where they put that like cold, like slab in your mouth, that little like yeah. monolith on your tongue. <laughs> yeah. Dude, they numb your mouth. What do they do? Uh, it's just like what a, it's like a mouthwash that you just, you know, swirl around your mouth and wait a couple minutes. Then it, uh, oh, yeah. it numbs it. Randy, they do that for children. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my mouth's a child. Dude, got a child-sized mouth. Job. I know, right? My mouth's a child. <laughs> I didn't even know that was an option. You know, fuck, man. Whenever I go to the dentist and it's like, oh, does this hurt? I always take it as like a fucking challenge. I know you do. And it's like, no, no, it doesn't. And you know, there are tears coming out of my eyes. And I'm like, God, I why, could do it. Why do you got to be a 
that to the no, dentist. No, it's not. It's not an aggressive thing. It's more of a I don't want to be a burden. Yeah. So it's like no, no. no I'll, I'll make it through. You don't want to come across as a bitch. In no, your dude. Head. I come across as a bitch every time we record this show. But not to not to a medical professional, <laughs> because your lifelong dream was to be a dentist. Oh, dude, they make a lot of money. Yeah, but they also look at a lot of dirty ass mouths. Yeah, I would much rather, and this is a hundred percent true. Oh. I would, I would, I would be a proctologist before I'd be a dentist. It's, okay, it's not even close. All right, now hit, now hit the puking clip. <laughs> I would rather look at people's dirty buttholes. <laughs> what if you find fire ants up there? <laughs> dude, dude, people with disgusting mouths, it's rough, man. It's rough. In Britain, I'm talking to you. Being a dentist in the United Kingdom is the worst job on the planet. Oh, fuck. Apologies as we have a good listenership in the United Kingdom. But I'm just saying. Your chompers. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, God damn it. I don't know why hearing that dude do that, which, uh, again, if we would have bet money, um, I don't think there was any liquid. I've seen the video multiple times while trying to cut that in. Uh, I was disappointed to say that he walked off camera before anything came out. I, it's such a primal revulsion, though. Yeah. Man, I feel queasy. And, and I apologize to anybody who, I don't know. I, I would like gag. to see the video later. Because uh, I, I want to see the fish. Well, you know, go to theoverlooktheater.com and it will be all the... Is oh, it, the fish looks... Ooh, rough? that's a cannibal holocaust. Or, I mean, a, a cannibal corpse cover right we there. We get maggots? No, but it looks like it's been thrashed. And there's yeah. footage of the river. There's a lot of them. Like, that's a river in a post-apocalyptic Does the river, river look rough? You know what the worst part is? Um... I, you know, I only pulled it because I know I figured we'd like to laugh at a guy puking, but, uh, the politician who there was a protest there and they were there to witness, uh, whoever is running that local district or whatever, come out and actually look at it. And he zooms by on a speedboat. I just spit all over the fucking keyboard. He, he flies by on a speedboat and everybody out there is just fucking angry. It's like, this is how you look at the river. Do you know the Cleveland river caught fire nine times in 1979? What? What? Yeah. Why? Because it's gross. Well, I mean, <laughs> for water to catch fire, there's going to be something I, going uh, on. There's some sort of like sewage or something. But why did it happen so, nine times? Yeah, because it's Cleveland. Was it getting hit with lightning? That was the same year. Randy, this was back when I listened to the dollop on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> did you ever listen to, to Ten Cent Beer Night? Uh, not that I can remember. Wait, so, what the hell is the dollop? So the Dollop is an American history podcast done by oh. Dave Anthony and uh, Gareth Reynolds. Oh, but it's kind of like quirky history? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, it can be. Uh, sometimes they'll be like, okay, we need to talk about the history of Donald Trump this week. Oh. <laughs> so they dude. would do stuff like that. But um, they do. They have the one they did on uh, the Rube, uh, this baseball player from the 20s is incredible. But anyway. No, from like the 1800s. I forgot. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that dude, that is insane. <laughs> I listened to that particular one like four times. But in the anyway, in the 1970s, they de- they had something in, with, with the Cleveland Indians called Ten Cent Beer Night. Okay, where they 
sold beer oh, for 10 cents. I heard about that. There was like riots, Riots, right? and yeah. it was awful. And they were just they, saying like what the atmosphere was in Cleveland at that time. There's a, oh, by the by the way, the river caught fire like <laughs> nine times that year. Like, what? That sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> move out there. And here we are with our cute little quarantine. Yeah, right. Nary a river on fire. All right. That's, that's all of my uh, political. You know, I don't know if the monoliths are going to come back into any uh, future news broadcast, but I don't know. I feel like they've given us a lot until also the guys have come out just in case anybody was wondering, it turned out to be an art collective. Like everybody thought, of course, and they're trying to be so cute about it. it. Banksy. No, it's some group. There's like four guys and they're making them and they're like, they would say things where people are like, they post a picture. Was it Ice Slicer? And people would, that would be tight. <laughs> it, it also would have been more interesting yeah. if Ice Slicer did it. But like people would comment on the photo, like, did you guys do it? And they're like, we're not going to say not. Or like shit. And it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Nobody cares anymore anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm hearing that ISIS is taking credit for it. <laughs> okay. It's time we get them back in the news. All right. All right. So, Monolith, until we talk about you next week. Bye, bitch. <laughs> All right, Randy. Now, each and every I just want to let our listeners know I'm going to pull back the curtain so they can see inside the land of Oz. So every week we do, um, we set up these cues for these the on the IMDb tabs. We set up all the movies that we're going to talk about. Randy, you've selected 19 movies for this week, so let's go ahead and get started. Is that Jim Caviezel? I don't know who Jim Caviezel is off the top of my head, but uh, I'm I don't, sorry. What did you say? I don't believe he showed up in any of the movies I watched. Randy Michael, Jim Caviezel is our Lord and Savior. <laughs> What's he in? Randy. Oh my God. He played Jesus the Christ. In the Passion? In the Passion. <laughs> nice. Of the Christ. Did you not see that? No, I saw it, I think, like when it came out. Randy, do yourself a favor. Don't ever watch it again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, I will say Passion of the Christ. The one movie where I thought children crying in there was really appropriate. Dude, it's rough. <laughs> no, but I mean like babies. Little babies? It just felt like, yeah. T- I mean, it's, you know. It's and scene. I mean, a lot of babies. I saw that movie late in its run. Yeah. Pack theater. A lot of babies. <laughs> a lot of babies that, you know, you don't buy a ticket for and you hold in your arms the yeah. whole time. To go see a Christian snuff. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Casted with a bunch of porn stars. Was it? Oh, dude, you've never gone into the, the conspiracy theories? No. On- oh, next week on the Overlook Hour, <laughs> we take a deep dive into the porn world of the passion of the Christ. I think I've even brought it up on here before. Really? Yeah, but I, we didn't do a good job of covering shit then. The passion <laughs> of the clit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, Randy. <laughs> While we're on the topic of Mel Gibson, I did see Fat Man a couple weeks ago, and it's okay. <laughs> but uh we watch fat man i don't randy do you think i'd like it no uh i don't know maybe <laughs> randy here's got tone problems can you confirm or deny uh sort of yeah like i don't know it could have been more fun i feel how's mel uh he's good how's walton they're both good just yeah the movie's just it's just fine you know well, okay, so I had no idea what Fat Man was. I like the poster. <clears throat> it's a holiday film, but it's it's like if Tarantino made one about like your dad being Santa, Why right? Why is Tarantino your go-to for every like, because hey. Yeah, exactly. That's why. 
It's like Santa's got a gun and a mission. Santa's got a gun. Well, and I think, you know, the, the beautiful thing about Tarantino is he can blend genres in a way that makes it feel very natural. Sure. And um, it heightens both elements where I think when people don't understand, you know, the poetry between the lines, you end up with a lot of fucking cool guy shit that's just like echo chamber hack. So you think this is a cool guy shit? I don't know. I think there's a lot of potential. Like, uh, if you're asking me, do I want to watch um, Mel Gibson play Santa armed with a gun? Uh, totally. Yes. But it's one of those things where it's like, I want to, and I have expectations, and I just think it's going to be like, man. Well, I also think it's an interesting thing because it's Santa's on hard times. The government isn't giving him stipends anymore. Oh, he's a, <laughs> he's a government. Santa's a government official in mm-hmm. this. Randy, is that right? Correct, yeah. And Walton yeah. Goggins is hired to kill him. Yes, and because the uh, Santa, something about uh, uh, military contracts and he's not given the staff he needs, something like that. So Santa's got on some hard times. Santa's part of the federal government. Yeah. And uh, w- w- how does he feel about that, Randy? Is he mad at them? <laughs> he's a government. A bit, yeah. Of course he is. <laughs> Good point. If we, got, if we got a dude, if we got some heavy satire of our government, I'm in. I don't, it looked like it was going to be jokey. But the first thing Randy said is, could have been funnier. So, I don't know, Randy, should I watch it? Yeah, give it a shot. Oh, Batman. It's, it's an hour and 40 minutes long. Yeah. Also, Randy, keep in mind that Russell did not like one of the greatest comedies of all time. Oh, no. The Beach Bum. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, that. There's no relation, really. Okay. Did you like Beach Bum, Randy? Uh, yeah, not as much as Clark did, but it was good. Chris, my favorite movie of my life. <laughs> I can, I can appreciate. I thought that's RoboCop. And yeah, RoboCop, right. the RoboCop bum. Did you like my uh, picture of Cobra's RoboCop? That was very good. Okay. All right. Um, again, Randy. Sorry. No worries. Uh, so I'm gonna switch up my order since we're in the uh, the Christmas mood with uh with Fat Man. I watched uh, the Euphoria, uh, I think they're calling it sort of like a Christmas special, the first episode of it. Oh. Um, it is a 57-minute episode. It kind of plays like a short film uh, directed by Sam Levinson. The episode title is called Trouble Don't Last. And at the end of the previous season of Euphoria, uh, you see Rue, who's played by Zendaya. She... Uh, relapses and you kind of think it might be an overdose but you're not really sure so this episode picks up sort of just where that uh season leaves off um and she basically basically the whole episode is uh her and her sponsor she meets her sponsor at a diner and it's just like an hour-long uh conversation of them that is like written very well and found it very compelling and her sponsor played by coleman domingo uh is really really good as well and she's kind of like a conversation about addiction and recovery. And I don't know, I found it, uh, I found it really good. So if you've seen the show, I, I feel like you could get enough, um, out of it if you've never seen the show before, but, um, it would obviously help to kind of have the context, but I don't know. I feel like it could potentially, potentially stand alone. And I think there's a, a second half of it coming out soon. So it's cool, sexy teens with my dinner with Andre. This episode is very My Dinner with Andre, yes. Mm. I've never seen this show. I've heard nothing. But, uh, oh, you got to see the show. Zendaya, Spider-Man, Euphoria. <laughs> Teens are fucking. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's I a- like industry, though. 
I haven't seen it yet. But uh, yeah, Euphoria is a pretty good show. Uh, I, I don't love it, but I thought this episode was really good and maybe my uh, my favorite of the of the series. I don't know. I don't like horny shows. <laughs> if H- you can't relate. <laughs> HBO's, I'm very horny. It's yeah, just, you know, it's just like, I mean, it's just humans. It's just, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like putting car, it's putting gas into a car that has no engine. <laughs> that's the issue here. Randy, I'm curious, what was the uh, the drug conversation like? Like, I just, because we're in an interesting time right now with like Oregon, like decriminalizing drugs. And you know, I'm, you know, Portugal did it a while ago. I'm, I'm curious if you felt like there was a motive behind the. Uh, hey, Portugal's horny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, she, uh, so the episode is basically she had just relapsed and she is still high when she's talking to her sponsor. Oh. Uh, and she's basically just like, you know, saying that like she's a terrible person and that like, you know, sort of the struggles that she has. And she's kind of like, you know, I, I don't plan on being here for that long type of thing. So. It gets very real, but uh, her sponsor uh, is, you know, was an an addict as well. And he kind of talks about how he relapsed for like, I don't know, like six years or something like that. So I don't know. It's just like a very, uh, I don't know. It felt very well written. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but when I first went into community college, I actually studied um, sort of like uh, counseling, like drug counseling type of thing. I thought it was a thing that was kind of interesting and like kind of uh cool and i don't know i just being a uh a previous man of faith uh just helping people was like you know something i kind of wanted to do um so i kind of studied that and uh i don't know it just felt like this was very real and um you know one of the reasons besides not being a very good talker that i got out of it is that i don't feel like i have any experience so if i were to get into a conversation with like you know an alcoholic or something like it just wouldn't feel legit at all, you know? So this felt yeah. very real. Well, Randy, that's why you need to go out there, get a couple whores, <laughs> <laughs> go to a flop house, and spend a weekend. Oh, my God. Then then you'll have the experience, Randy. You got to get out there. Whore is not the PC term. Find a whore to flop. Oh, my God. I did just have a beer before the episode or oh, when we started the episode. That's a start. Next time. Have a beer with a hired friend. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, the reason I asked that question is, oh, it's, I mean, God, we live in such a like hyper political time. And I think a lot of people are kind of shocked when I'm for the decriminalization of drugs. And, uh, you know, I, again, we, we make jokes about the gremlin under the stairs here, but motherfuckers had an addiction problem. And I've been in those conversations where it's like, I just relapsed and, uh, they're kind of at like, you know, the bottom of the well, for yeah. lack of a better term. And dude, it's not fun. And I, Randy, I totally understand why you wouldn't want to be there. Hey, I mm-hmm. can't get sugar, so I'm with you. Well, it's just, it's one of those things where you hear like military vets come back from war and they can't talk to regular civilians about like what's causing their PTSD. I saw the Hurt Locker, bro. Yeah, and <laughs> that's the thing is it's like, even though, you know, I... He couldn't decide on a cereal. <laughs> even though I drink too much. And uh, it, it's nothing I can relate to because, you know, I've never like pounded somebody's mouthwash out of like desperation to avoid a hangover. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, it's rough territory and we are so far behind on that conversation. But I mean, as a country. Yeah. You know, look at Portugal. It's I been mean, working out good for them. I mean, I eat fistfuls of marshmallows. <laughs> Just. Yeah. Pounding I don't know. Them. 
Yeah. Again, I I keep skewing this shit like politically, and I apologize. It sounds good though, and I God making Christmas a backdrop to a conversation like that can only like yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. narratively, we have a lot of horror movies that use Christmas as backdrop, and we're just heightening the emotion. And a lot of the times it can be like a cheap device to heighten it. But God, dude, talking to somebody who just relapsed, it's already making me kind of feel sad. Now, right here, are they <laughs> eating in this episode or are they just doing the coffee thing? Uh, I think they're mostly just drinking coffee. But yeah, it's it's New Year's Eve when they're when they're talking. Oh, I wish I would have ordered some Christmas Eve. Sorry. OK, Christmas. Wow. It's so different. New Year's Eve would have been like a whole rebirth kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. More of like a family thing. I don't know. I'm intrigued. Did they say what their plans for Christmas Day was going to be? Or like <laughs> Cuomo's got some sort of, you know, <laughs> is this a New York show? Where's the show based it up? Or is this UK? Uh, I feel like it's LA, but maybe I'm mistaken. Oh, it's Oh, Carsetti. <laughs> He's a good guy. All right. Dish. <laughs> Speaking of good guys, there's a uh, a good guy in this this next movie I'm going to talk about. Good called job. Narrowsburg. I think it's Garcetti. That's just, sorry. <laughs> uh, Narrowsburg is a documentary uh, directed by Martha Shane. Uh, I think it came out in 2019, and it tells Confirmed. the story. What's up? Confirmed. <laughs> God damn it. It, uh, it tells the story of Richard and Jocelyn Castellano, who end up in this small town. Uh, I think it's in upstate New York uh, called Narrowsburg, and they set up shopped. They set up, set up shop, I cannot talk, uh, in attempt to sort of um, bring this town uh, to be sort of a film festival community. They kind of want to create the Sundance of the East. Um, so uh, this guy, Richard Castellano, um, believe he's a mob guy. He sort of uh, is talking about his relations to uh, certain crime families and stuff, but he was also in Analyze This. Uh, he had a small part in that movie, apparently. Uh, he kind of sounds like a very, like, tough, uh, sort of Abel Ferrara type. Forget about it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's interviewed in the movie, and so is his uh, ex-wife, Jocelyn, who was a French film producer. And, uh, yeah, it's just kind of about how they came into this town and how he uh, may be conning the people of this town, thinking that they're all going to be movie stars and convincing them that they're going to shoot this movie and they're going to have this film festival and maybe he's taking money from uh, acting classes and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's pretty good. I think it's like 90 minutes long or so. Um, yeah. I found it, I found it pretty interesting. I don't know if you're kind of lukewarm on it. I think it would be a flop for most people. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it would be right up your alley. It's, uh, yeah. I feel like Clark would, probably like it um i don't know the the characters in it are are and the characters by that i mean the actual people they're yeah. they're pretty entertaining um i just found the story kind like pretty interesting and just like the fact that uh it kind of gets into like regional film festivals and how some of them can kind of be uh like you Locked know <laughs> kind of sketchy and like sort of a sham oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, dude. um which is pretty interesting considering uh you know, we uh, or you guys and uh, us have put on film fest before, and you know, if it uh, if it got into the wrong hands, people that were greedy and kind of just wanted to make money, it uh, kind of shows you how how that can go wrong. Oh yeah, yeah. They call them submission farms. Yep. 
Yeah. God, it's so fucked up too. Probably Especially when, you know, the music industry and the film industry combined don't equate to half of the video game industry. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I just feel like Hollywood and Film Fest, like are they're cannibalizing themselves in a time where they're already, you know, expiring. Yeah. It's yeah. fucked. I uh, what I don't man, that's a bummer. Especially because I have firsthand knowledge. Like, I don't want to put them on blast or anything, but I've worked with like a film fest doing programming where they would get like 800 features submitted, $50 a feature. And then, you know, they show five and then it's like, Hey, you know, I took the time to like review this shit. Is anybody else even working on this thing? Like what's going on? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a tragedy. And it's so weird that most people that watch movies don't even, they don't even know what a film fest is. Yeah. yeah. I know we used to beat that drum a lot, but. I don't know. I think they're going to become more important. I just want to bang on that drum all day. <laughs> this is uh, this is on Amazon Prime. If anyone's interested, I did, um, however, have this on uh, while I was completing a puzzle. <laughs> the Guinness puzzle. Yeah. How'd they go? It's good. You know, it always uh, it feels good to accomplish something. You know. Now, what are you going to do with the finished puzzle? Probably break it back up and put it back into its box. Ooh. You got to frame it. You have to find the most important table space in your room, put it there so that it doesn't get knocked over. Laminate it. Then tell yourself you got to go get puzzle glue from Walgreens. Then you'll be like, oh, fuck, all the Walgreens are closed because there's people pooping in them. <laughs> and then eventually you'll get that puzzle glue. You'll come home and you realize, well, fuck, I got to put the glue on the back. Then you'll flip it over. It'll break up and then you'll, you'll. <laughs> Is that work. how it works? No, here's what yeah. you'll do. You realize you need the puzzle glue. You go to Walgreens. You find the last bottle of puzzle glue. You get home. You open up that bottle, and then you smell that sweet smell of puzzle glue. And you start. Then you're like, okay, I got a couple of whores that I got on my phone. You're like, whores, flop house, glue, now. You're like, then the next weekend, you're like, you know what? I think I've lived this life counselor time. You're like, you you broads want to sniff some horse hoof, <laughs> horse hoof. <laughs> also, puzzle glue you put it on top, but that I feel like everybody does that where it's like you know you put the glue on the back, and then you read the label. And it's like oh fuck yeah oh yeah you got to glaze you got to do the glaze. You've never glazed a puzzle. Are you telling me <laughs> I, you know how many puzzles I've glazed? Dude? None. All the puzzles, dude. I'm the puzzle glazer. No. PG. Uh, and just so everybody knows that I'm speaking from experience, I have a glazed and framed puzzle in my room. It is Edward Gorey. Oksana loves him, and I love her, so I do puzzles with her. I am fairly confident I have never completed a puzzle in my life. That that checks out. I do not care. Puzzles are so stupid. They're relaxing. No, and they're not relaxing. You get unplugged from your devices. I need my devices. <laughs> Stay plugged, please. That's what I tell my dom. Oh, my God. Speaking oh, you fucking idiot. Okay. Speaking of being plugged into devices, I'm going to do one last movie right here. And uh, it's, called, it's called Minor Premise, directed by Eric Schultz. It's on VOD right now. I watched it via iTunes. Uh, I think it maybe just came out this past weekend. Uh, I talked about a sci-fi movie called Prospect last week, and Clark was saying how he doesn't like certain sci-fi films, and I say, oh, you don't like hard sci-fi films. Well, Minor Premise is probably a movie Clark would not like. <laughs> it definitely feels uh, 
a bit indebted to primer. Uh, um, that definitely feels um, like an influence. Um, but I didn't, I didn't like it as much as primer. Um, but basically you have a, a main character. His name's Ethan. Uh, he's working in his basement on this science experiment dealing with, um, memory and conscience and emotions. So essentially there's this company that wants to essentially be able to like, you know, record, uh, memories, but the issue with memory, uh, is that it's also tied in with like emotions and stuff. So if you have a computer that is just kind of tracking the memories, it can't like fill in everything. So you kind of just get like these blurry pictures. So they're trying to solve that essentially. Um, and he's in his basement, he's drinking a lot, he looks very unshaved, he's sweaty, um, and he starts having blackouts. Oh, um, yeah, so he starts having blackouts because he's essentially uh, trying all these experiments on himself, and um, eventually weird stuff starts happening, and he realizes that uh, his conscience is actually split into 10 different uh, consciences that can take over his body. And they take over his body for six minutes uh, at a time. And uh, the rest of the movie is kind of about him working with um, one of his colleagues on trying to uh, get them (laughs) to all sort of be, not united, but to sort of like become one again. (laughs) Uh, So you got the weird like sort of like, it's not really like multiple timelines because it's all like taking place in the same timeline. But, um, you know, he's one person for six minutes and then he blacks out and then sort of a different uh, element of his personality takes over and kind of forgets everything that happened before. But, I don't uh, speak Clark. Oh, maybe he's still sleeping. <laughs> 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 so yeah, if you're into uh, hard sci-fi stuff, uh, give it a shot. It's pretty cool. Uh, I think it's the director's first um, feature and also Dana Ashbrook is in it. Who is that? <laughs> uh, I think he plays James in uh, Twin Peaks. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. He works for the, uh, the company that, that uh, our main character works for. <laughs> Clark is... Oh, he could not have tuned out harder during that <laughs> thing. And as you know- soon as you, you say primer, Randy, you know I'm out. Yeah, I was going to leave that till the end, but it just felt just felt right to do it up top. Well, you know, the thing is, I like hard sci-fi because it's all idea driven. Yeah. And you can do you can have a very tiny production. But if you have a cool idea that that can make a really like riveting film. And have you ever seen Primer? Uh, I don't think I have. Good. But I've seen like Pie. I've got primer yeah. on DVD in San Mateo. You yeah, want it? There's a whole genre of that. Yeah, I'll take it. All right. Or like, um, it's what? in an Xbox case. Don't ask me why. <laughs> like Pulse is an interesting movie. Uh, there's a lot of like hard sci-fi. And uh, the thing that I started imagining a dumb movie <laughs> while you were talking was <laughs> when you introduced the DID split shit. Where what is it like? Oh, my different personalities are going to help me figure out this equation. Um. Not really. So, uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain, but essentially like it, uh, it kind of like eventually is able to sort of like figure things out of what's going on. And then sort of like each thing, each personality is kind of just like a different emotion. So there's one that's like primal. There's one that's like intellect. There's another one. I don't, I forget what all of them are, but, uh, and it kind of just comes out not really, 
I don't know. It's not like a uh, a split type of thing. It's kind of just like, I don't know, certain um, just sort of like small, like subtle changes in like his personality. It's not really like it's not super hammy, like split kind of is. OK, that's what I imagined was like dramatic music or like, you know, he starts gripping his head and going and then like no. primal him comes out and he's like, oh, you idiot. You had to do this. I don't I don't. it, it went very campy in my mind. Yeah, I can see that. But yeah, no, it's a uh, it's it's pretty good. Um, yeah, it looks solid too. Like I mentioned, um, prospect. I mean, this looks a lot different than prospect, but uh, it definitely doesn't look like a. Uh, I mean, it looks low budget, but like in a good way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Clark's not convinced. That poster looks like Jim Caviezel. That's all I'm saying. You sure we got no JC in this movie? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that. Uh, the main guy who plays Ethan uh, and Dana Ashbrook are the main famous people in it. Sathya said Sadri. Yeah. I can't pronounce his name, but uh, he, he was really good playing this, this character. <laughs> so is, is the, uh, the female, is she related to Dana? I don't know. I hadn't actually looked into that yet, but yeah, That's her name is. Front? Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird association maybe they're married 1988 uh he is older than oh that. yeah is that his daughter oh maybe i don't what, we'll have to if, watch the movie what if it's his niece <laughs> okay <laughs> randy that's it we wrapped up yep all right well no we're not randy because we're going to talk about a movie now that you talked about last week because i Hell don't yeah. decisions very well in my favorite segment i call the randy retread randy retread, <laughs> randy retread. okay fucking idiot <laughs> now on craigslist you might see an ad we need somebody to run the soundboard <laughs> soundboard we're gonna have to cut uh creepy clark's budget in half hire <laughs> a board operator all right uh this weekend pretty much could have been the Randy Retread weekend because uh, it, Mank came out along with The Sound of Metal, followed with Black Bear. So I only saw Mank out of those. I started Mank at 4.30 a.m. <laughs> on Saturday because I did not sleep well that night. Uh, I Here's what happened. Randy. As we said, we took this challenge with the no sugar thing, and I was doing okay. But uh, you know, I, I, I'm just I'm monitoring what I'm eating now instead of just going in a blind fury and just eating what is ever there. Blind fury. Thank you so much. Cool rapper. Yeah, great rapper. So I had hot chocolate as the last thing before bed, and I had not had any sugar prior to that day. And I don't know. I just kept sleeping, sleeping in two hour intervals and I just didn't sleep very well. So I started mank at four 30. <laughs> um, this is a very interesting film. It's interesting to look at. It's interesting to listen to. The dialogue is great. Everything looks incredible. It looks pristine. Um, if you are not familiar with the Citizen Kane story, I still think you'll be okay. If you are familiar with the Citizen Kane story, it's even that more rewarding, um, as I knew a fair amount of that. Um, and to get the side of the story from the Mankiewicz side, who is the screenwriter. Also, if you know, that name is pretty familiar. Mankiewicz. Herman J. Mankiewicz is the grandfather of that piece of garbage <laughs> in Mankiewicz. 
who is in this movie. <laughs> is he? Yeah, he shows up. Um, he plays. I think he does the voiceover in the Academy Awards. Huh. I missed that. Um, now, the only reason why I know this, Randy, is because I had to do a deep dive during the cast of yeah. Mank because there is 125 actors in there. <laughs> right. And I had to find out who one of the actors was, as is ten, 15 minutes into the movie. You said tit? <laughs> as fifth-tits fifth into the movie. Um, we are in a scene in the office, and there is a secretary who is wearing nothing but pasties. And she was that glorious breast. So I had to find out who this I my future wife was. I didn't know people really did that. I, I, I was Dude, like, that was like a legitimate, yeah. authentic Freudian <laughs> And we're fifteen minutes into this movie. <laughs> it happened, man. I mean, I like boobs. That they provide life. Oh my god, they provide life. So I had to find out who this woman was with perfect breasts. I I found her, and I now follow her on Instagram. Well, if you're such a fan of um of uh milk giving orifices, oh. I should let you know that in D and D. Wait, say, I, say that again. <laughs> milk giving orifices. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, people didn't appreciate that when I brought it up in isolation this past week, too. <laughs> but for a different reason. Anyway, in D and D, I uh, put one of my henchmen to work uh, creating what I call a mooger, which is a <laughs> oh boy, which is a cow hybrid ogre. Which uh, their only purpose to to in life is to be milked because I want to milk them for my army and hopefully give them some sort of like benefit in war i don't know a mooger sounds like something you want out of your neighborhood (laughs) okay go tear down a monolith you fucking (laughs) 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 next you'll be singing military songs (laughs) christ is king christ is king. i know i'm sorry i should have give you that drop i did give you the Uh, other one though (laughs) no not that The drone music kills it, though. I know. I'll, I'll have to do more deep dig, deep digging to make is long. Make is like two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I very much enjoyed this film. Um, By the end, were you saying make it stop? <laughs> but again, I don't know. <laughs> no, oh boy. <laughs> I recommend Mank. I'll give it, uh, I don't know, I'm stuck between three and a half and a four. Randy, what'd you go with it? I think I gave it a four. Also, uh, speaking of drone music, uh, what's his name? Uh, Atticus Ross and uh, Trent Reznor do the the score, and it's it does not sound like a, a Trent Reznor they, score. They did the score for Mank? Uh-huh. Get the Mank out of here. Yeah. I think they do like all Whoa. the Fincher stuff since Social Network. Okay, Randy, <laughs> uh, Russell just uh, Googled Atticus Ross. I've never seen what this man looks like. Yeah. And this picture is not the best picture. I don't know if we call Atticus Ross a photogenic gentleman. He looks kind of like Trent, actually. Oh, he kind of kind of do. They both oh, look God. very similar. Yeah, he's the twin that you kept in the attic. <laughs> yeah. like, if his nose was a cookie... <laughs> it was in the oven for too long. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know what that sentence means. Oh, my God. 
Um, I don't know what your review of Mank means. I don't know, but I look at his nose and I just want to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as bad as Artie Lang's nose. Oh, play the other clip. Play the other one from that. Poor bastard. Ivy survives. <laughs> Poor bastard. He's my favorite character there. Yeah. Poor bastard. <laughs> oh, man. All right, and then uh, Russ, go to the other one um, that I am uh, hesitant to talk about, but I've got nothing else this week. As I decided to watch something, boys and girls, I mean, look, do I consider myself a basic bitch? No. But there are times where I am uh, overcome by the, the cry of the public, you know, from the mountaintops of what's the, what's the new thing? The shiny new toy. The shiny new toy this week has been the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> which is a six hour and 33 minute miniseries, a limited series. Now, here's, what, here's the thing. Let's talk about limited series. They used to call them miniseries, but now they call them limited series. It's essentially a TV show where they're like, oh, we're only going to do one. But if it becomes popular enough, they will spawn other ones. They've done this many times, and then they clean up at the Emmys, and then they fuck up other things. Like Fargo was supposed to be a limited series, and now they have 24 Fargos. <laughs> I couldn't keep up with the, the Chris Rock one. Randy, did you finish that? No, I watched the first episode, which seemed promising, but I haven't, I haven't kept it. I don't know. Once the old guy got shot in the neck with a BB gun, I was out. <laughs> yeah, I've heard similar things from everybody that was watching Fargo. They're the like, new season? They were pumped, and they're like, Chris Rock was good, but for mixed reasons, everybody abandoned it. <sighs> yeah, it just, yeah. it got, um, I don't know. I, I may give it another go. Well, I've heard everything from like old to woke that people were like, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and but everybody was like, Chris Rock was good. Chris Rock is good. Which makes me want to see Spiral even more. Yep. Spiral. Thank you very much. Okay. From the, from the. Uzumaki? What do you, you want to call it? All right, so the Queen's Gambit. Is this? Uh, I keep wanting you to call it the Queen Gambit. <laughs> I'm like waiting for you to the do Queen it again. Gambit. I mean, all you're gonna do is. I don't know if there's a tit in that whole series. Uh, but you're watching it. That I that know. Really, that's yeah. why it's. I'm not giving it a good review. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're waiting for it, man. Everybody's talking about this thing. And look, at the end of the day, this is fine. It's. It's fine how it's executed, but I'm hearing people that, people's opinions that I respect, and they're saying how great this is and, and how revolutionary. It's not. The, the story <laughs> is very... We've all been here before. So essentially, you've got Anna Joy Taylor, um, who is the girl from The Witch, oh, and okay. the Shyamalan thing. Uh, she's a very talented actress, very beautiful actress. Uh, she does a lot with her face. She's got a very interesting, beautiful face with wide eyes that make her look like the headlights of a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> and a very European model figure. And she she knows how to play stoic very well and, you know, um, aloof. And she plays a gifted young lady who is um, an expert at chess. She just chess is the only thing that clicks with her in her life as well as mathematics. So automatically we get this child genius thing, but this girl's an orphan. Uh, we, we had this, uh, very, um, coded backstory about her parents and she ends up at this orphanage 
and she doesn't get along with everybody, anybody, and she just keeps to herself. She wanders down in the basement and then just naturally uh, is a chess expert within five minutes. Cool. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, we she, got a Rain Man thing. She going plays on. chess with my boy. Uh, I can't Bill think Camp. of Camp. Yes, Bill Camp, uh, who should have been in the show more because Bill Camp's great. Uh, but his character is just this begrudgingly old curmudgeon <laughs> who's just like, oh, you gotta... and she's like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, that's the first episode. Don't spoil the show. <laughs> I, that's the first episode. The first episode is essentially. <sighs> it ne- this thing never pulled me in like I was expecting it to. Uh, there are a couple of fine moments that. God, the the cartoon that is her adopted parental situation okay. is so ridiculous. Randy, how far did you get into this? Did you get to where she got adopted? Uh, I don't believe so. I or where she got adopted. <laughs> I think I gave up episode two. Oh, tight. Yeah, Randy, you're fine. I now because I love all of you, I, I'm willing to admit the truth. I'm still I still have 40 minutes left in the series. I didn't finish it. Okay. I will probably I feel betrayed. <laughs> That's fine. That's most of it. So I've watched five hours and 59 minutes of this thing. Um, I just. <sighs> now here, uh, the, the reviews I've heard, people relate it uh, to like a sports show. Like it's a traditional sports narrative. Did that? Yes appe- and no. Okay. Because again, I it doesn't follow. People have put the the strength of the show for them, and I'm speaking of other reviews that I've heard from people. Uh, as you, dude, if you turn on any other podcast, that's all these people are talking about. It's yeah. Queen's Gambit. Everybody's watching. The, it's the new Tiger King. It's Queen's Gambit. Oh, wow, what a painful comparison. I know. <laughs> I know. Give me pulpy garbage over this uh, wannabe cool stuff. Okay. It's just... Is the the strength of the show is that they didn't spend a whole lot of time breaking down chess, but I think that if we, you would have done that in an interesting way, that would have added an extra element to this that I think was needing. We needed something else in this because the story with the girl wasn't enough for me because it, they wanted to harp on this whole Bobby Fisher thing. Okay, and Bobby Fisher was a pariah. He's my brother because Bobby Fisher was an asshole. Okay. Bobby Fisher was a Watch great your mouth. chess player. <laughs> He was an asshole. And they try to make this girl an asshole. They try to give her, like, oh, she's an alcoholic. And then the, her mother that she went to, they try to make her this bad girl of chess. And it just doesn't work. And I just don't care. The writing is not great. It looks okay. And again, back to the parents. She gets abducted. Abducted. <laughs> gets abducted. She gets adopted by illegal space aliens (laughs) and her mother, her new mother is, um, wants to be, is a very 1950s housewife. Uh, however, this mother, um, has some sort of anxiety issue. (laughs) She takes a lot of trank. Oh yeah. They give, they give this girl tranquilizers at the, at the orphanage and she becomes, she becomes a junkie. And so she breaks into, the uh pharmacy and then they don't really 
go into her being a junkie and breaking into the pharmacy and breaking all the glass. They were like, okay, just next scene. No, no care. <sighs> yeah. So there's that, that whole narrative. And then, so the, the mother is an alcoholic and the father in this thing, they, he is such a cartoon character that adds nothing to the show. He's just completely separated by this whole thing. One that had nothing to do with this girl. And then he actually abandons the family. And then he comes back in because the spoiler alert, the mom dies. And so this 17 year old gets the house. It's stupid. This show stinks. It makes me want to go. I don't know. I, I didn't care. For you it realize you talk 10 times more about things you don't like. That's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like you build I get yourself fired up. up. Yeah, I know. I mean, this ain't no wee boys. I can tell you that. Okay. Bring back the wee boys. Pieces of trash. <laughs> y'all need to watch that movie. No. So I no, I want to know if I'm if I'm crazy. Oh uh, yeah. Because seven out of ten critics like that movie. And it's trash. Dude. It's I boomer never, stuff. Critics are boomers, dude. Dude, that oh, that fuck. is that is a this is a boomer series. <laughs> you think about it, it is a boomer series because it shows about how how fucked they made everything you, else, man. Can you not generalize people by their age? <sighs> Thank you. Boomers are the worst. You fucking asshole. They killed our rivers. <laughs> they fed us sugar. All right, you done? They loved me too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this is another one of those shows where everyone told me, oh, it gets really good episode three. And I'm like, eh, you can uh, take those kind of shows down the street. <laughs> well, they've been saying that for this show and it's episode 223. <laughs> and we're still. Oh, God, I'm going to get rid of that button. <laughs> it's my favorite one. It's Cobra, too. So I shouldn't be complaining. Um, All right. You good? No. <laughs> In life? No. All right. I have crippling anxiety. I'm obese. My penis is okay. Small. So I watched uh, <laughs> this week. Now, uh, again, I pull up everything on IMDb when I'm going to talk about it. And if you go to IMDb and look up the movie I'm about to talk about, that poster is going to give you a very different oh, idea. <laughs> my God. So I watched a movie from 2012. Can we read the, the, the tagline here? No, because it gives everything away. And it's a good tagline. It's fucking. Uh, okay, fine. It'll, okay, it's, you got to tell the movie title too. It'll cost you an arm and a leg. Shopping tour. Okay, get the fuck out of here. Um, so I haven't been talking a ton. Like I haven't been covering a bunch of films. Thankfully, Randy's doing all the heavy work. Mostly because we're still we're building a program out for the thing that we're going to do for us. And a lot of what I've been watching is found footage that we may or may not program. And then when you're in this position, it's kind of like, do you want to talk about films that you're going to program? Because, you, you know, you don't want everybody to go watch them before the platform. But then, you Good know, film. it's, you know, normally when you're in a theater, it's like, who cares? Because now with um, familial ground, we can actually heighten the experience when they come out and talk. But yeah, again, theaters aren't open. So I've been I've been thinking about all this stuff. And finally, this week, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to talk about the stuff I'm watching. And I'm watching a film from 2012 shopping tour. It is a uh, Russian film about a. Um, oh, see, yes. You showed me this trailer. Yeah. Here's the thing. This movie is actually 
a great example of what you can do with a uh, proper in-world camera narrative. We kind of start with a um, young boy playing around with his phone, uh, recording. Or no, it's not his phone. I believe he's got a handheld. He's recording him and his mom as they are getting on a bus to drive to Finland for a shopping tour. I don't know if this is a real thing people do, but the idea is that you just are on uh, essentially like a kind of like a nicer Greyhound and you drive all over another um, country and they you hit stores and you buy shit and you come back. Oh, nice. The dilemmas that pop up in this movie without reading the synopsis are pretty interesting. You you get a lot of culture clash where everybody's like, all right, we're coming up to the border. You better put your camera down. Everybody have your stuff ready. If I say, hey, everybody come off. That means leave all your stuff, only bring your ID, and we're good. If I say, hey, grab your bags, that means get everything off the bus. They're going to look through every inch of it. And there's, they illustrate a weird, friendly hostility at customs, which is something we don't normally deal with in America. And uh, it's really interesting. I think the, the characters that are played, um, the, the mother-son dynamic is really good. And... If I don't tell you what this movie's about and you just jump into it, it's a really interesting, pretty funny reveal. I'm, you know, no, I take that back. It's actually not funny at all. There are a couple of moments where you might roll your eyes, but fuck, man, for an indie production, there's a lot of different faces we run into. There's a lot of locations, the, the bus and everything. It's fucking interesting. Um, on top of that, we got an hour and 10 minute runtime. And How much of that is on the bus? A lot of it. Ooh. A lot of it. And um, I'll tell you, essentially, they end up going to like a Best Buy. And, yeah. But the idea, so without telling anybody, without ruining this film, uh, a lot of the, um, uh, the plot starts to thicken when they show up at a Best Buy after a slight detour. A Russian Best Buy? Through, oh, well, it's Finnish because they're going to Finland. Oh. And there's a lot of like weird racial shit going on where it's like, you know, oh, the finish, you got to watch it and whatever. So they end up going to like essentially a Best Buy electronic store, which the is fans a, are tricky, there. which it's kind of like and this is going to be very regional. But if you've ever been to the Best Buy over here at by uh, the Metro Center, where it's kind of like a lone standalone building with nothing around it. I mean, our Metro or uh, the Best Buy I'm talking about is literally next door to a graveyard. So I feel like it might have been more appropriate for a horror film. By the way, the Best Buy near Tamfran closed. Oh, for good? For, yep. Went by it yesterday. They took down the sign and I went wow. by there just to pay my respects. And yeah, it was locked <laughs> oh, up. Don't it's tell gone. Me, don't tell me that shit. Okay. Well, their Blu-ray section had fallen apart. It's, and well, it, yeah. Inevitable. Apart. Again, another thing. It's inevitable. The, yeah. the fucking pandemic just sped it up. Glad I got a TV from there before they hit the button. Oh, that's fucking. <laughs> okay. But yeah. Um, and Would you get an OLED? <laughs> Say what? Never mind. <laughs> Bye, bitch. <laughs> I would have went with fuck Randy there, but it's fine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no. So the tour guide, they bring them to this uh, like electronic store and then they kind of like sneak them in the back door. Also, it's like four in the morning and there's a lot of shady things. And it's like, what are we, what's really going on here? And what's really going on? Unless you read the fucking IMDb spoilerful uh, synopsis you'll never guess it I just read it I know and it's it's kind of bonkers but dude it's fucking interesting and it's another like if you're a found footage fan and you're tired of running into like this is hardly a movie like it's just people with the phone like running around 
This is not that. This is a complete film. It's short and it's worth your time. They now on IMDb and Amazon Prime, where you can find it right now, if you're in uh, America, it's listed as a comedy. If it's a comedy, it's lost in translation or Mm. it's very dark. So don't let that be a deterrent uh, like it definitely was for me. Um, Yeah, shopping tour. Uh, Robbie recommended it to me. Uh, Shout out to Robbie Smith, who will be relocating to the East Coast soon. We got to get him on the show before that happens. Um, Robbie's going to the East Coast. Yeah, he's moving to Massachusetts. No, he's moving to Maine. And Massachusetts. Oh, he's changed. Baby. Yeah, keep up with the. Bitch. You're a big dick. <laughs> okay, Shia LaBeouf's an asshole. Whatever. Um, Shia LaBeouf is tight. Now, I actually got another movie I want to talk about. I know that was kind of a tease. Uh, here's another free movie you can watch right now. It's called We Are the Missing. Nothing from, is free Russell. from this year. <laughs> also, another foreign film out of Canada. This one is currently on YouTube. Ooh, now shopping tour the strength of that film is just the the in-world camera and the execution combined just makes something very different like it's so not a hollywood movie and it's interesting still like we get some good acting and some bad acting but it just really works and it could only survive in the uh found footage canon we are the missing is a faux documentary now this one i'll go ahead and read the the synopsis for you it says the scariest nightmares are the ones you can wake up to in. Oh, God, uh, I regret reading this already. A drama horror s- pseudo documentary following the Madison's desperate search for their missing daughter. Now we open up and it's a lot of talking heads. Uh, faux documentary. How old is this daughter? How old? Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. She's young. OK, I don't think she's Megan is missing young, though. Like, I don't think she's like a 14 year old or anything. She's like a six-year-old, but the, no, she's not. No, she's like a teen. Like a oh, so we don't have a prisoner situation from Denis then No, okay. <laughs> no, we don't. That's a good move. Um, we are the missing dude. It's weird. It's like we got fifteen minutes with the parents of this girl, and they're not the greatest actors, and they're actually kind of hard to watch because the thing about documentaries, the documentarian. Oh no, here's here's how I'll approach it. In found footage, the editor is such an important character to the story. Correct. Now in this, if we're doing a faux documentary or a mockumentary and we're making fun of the format, you'd you'd still have to be particular and understand the editor and what they're doing making this film. That clearly was not a concern to the filmmaker here. And what you end up with is a true crime documentary, right, being made. Where, uh, oh, also the name of the town I fucking hated. It's called like, uh, Darkadia. What? <laughs> uh, dude, I'm not joking. Uh, yeah, Darkadia. That's, yeah, fictitious city of Darkadia. I'm like, it was so distracting the to me. D apostrophe. Yeah, Arcadia. Arcadia. Interesting. I'm sure it's a reference to something, but I, I didn't. There's the a time. town in Mississippi called D Low, D apostrophe L O. Oh, that's kind of cool. Though. Well, it's next to a river. And it, the town is called Delo. It's a small community, essentially. Yeah. There's like 500 people of Delo. The reason why it's called Delo is because one day um, they said uh, the river was too damn low. Oh. <laughs> so now they named the, tam, well, the I town mean, Delo. What do you like more? Hey, what should we call our town? Well, there's a lot of oak trees around. Yeah, yeah, Oakland. Or, you know, uh, that that's, hit- Oakland's a good name. Or, yeah, it's a good name. 
hey, what should we call our town? Oh, I don't know. We got a really nice Pleasant Hill over there. How about Pleasant Hill? <laughs> There's a town in Mississippi called Hot Coffee. <laughs> See, but That's I'm tight. I'm more down with that than like, oh, we should call this place like a Green Valley. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like painfully aware. It's very Queen's Gambit. Oh, okay. Also, right, shouts out to the homie D-Lo. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, we are the missing. The reason I wanted to cover it, though, this is another example of we have no money and we probably never thought about making a movie. Now, Andrew uh, Robinson, I, I don't mean that in a mean way, but it totally feels like when people would... Um, shit all over found footage for being a talentless endeavor into like a cinematic narrative where people are like, Oh, well you, you don't know how to use a camera and uh, you can still make a film. I'm not saying that because this looks good, but the storytelling dude, it's fucking interesting. We get, um, so their daughter disappears. Right. And as the story evolves, we learn that um, during the filming, other children have gone missing. Oh boy. And it's one of those things where you're like, this isn't this isn't something I would be happy that I paid a full ticket for at a, a plaza. But now that I'm watching it on YouTube, I'm like, I, you know, I kind of want to see where it's going. And at 90 minutes, dude, uh, the story's fucking interesting. Okay. And it takes some turns. I don't know. I I here, I should just be clear. I um been conflicted on like how what I want to review. And I think just to counterbalance you guys, I'm like, well, I should lean into found footage horror, or maybe uh I I like doing the Amityville box set. And um I think two weeks ago I threw it out there and I'm like, hey, what should I do? The only thing I've heard back is to cover box sets. So I think I'm gonna do that. When this episode airs, you know what? Uh why don't I'll throw up a Twitter poll. I'll throw it up on the Thursday this comes out. I'm making a note. And I'll pick like three and I'll dive into those. And then I'll just, I'll do spoiler heavy, like deep dives on them. But uh, for this week, yeah, all, the only thing I got is free recommendations. So if you got Amazon Prime, check out Shopping Tour. And if you got, uh, <laughs> if you have a computer that you can access YouTube on, watch uh, We Are the Missing. That is if you're, you know, a found footage adventurer. This is not for like general audience mank fans. Hey, man. <laughs> Don't put our audience in a box, dude. No, I don't. They're intelligent, beautiful people that watch all the cool shit that a we couple, recommend. A couple of them suck. You know who you are. <laughs> Get lost. Tell me. Tell me after we were gone. <laughs> all right. We did it. I feel good. I have to pee a lot. I've taken in a lot of liquid over this last hour and 45 minutes. Russell, how do you feel? Uh, Jittery. I drank Jittery? a lot of coffee, yeah. Today's not one of your fasting days, right? Uh, no. All right. So is it McRib time day? If you really want to. Oh, McRib mukbang. Oh, remember when a we make a rock bang? Do you want to play outro music? Which one? I cued him up. I don't know. Whatever you want to play. We got a lot of songs on there. We got two songs on here. No, we got like four. We got two that oh, I want to play. Okay. Well, there you go. I don't want to play. Trump's got the Roma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that Pat Hilton holds a near and dear place no, in your heart. No. And, you know, one of the other uh, characters we found, your your boy from the cemetery, every day he's yeah. been doing updates on fucking Joe Exotic. And I've been tempted to work it into the thing oh, up man. front, but it's like, 
what dude the last thing i want to hear about is tiger king and this motherfucker has daily updates on him so yeah i don't know all right well we'll go out with the oh the banger every time the tease that will never pay off can you turn it down just a yeah, yeah i got it all right uh so let's throw it to our interview uh that we did with uh brandon and jill over there at jerks productions in philadelphia pennsylvania um, great talk. Um, and frankly, it's another one of those interviews where we talk to people who, um, it's just a further example of how easily outworked we are. <laughs> you know, uh, these are great. Uh, it's a great couple, um, out there in Philly who are getting things done. Uh, you know, COVID, no COVID doesn't matter. You gotta put the feet on the pavement. You got to press that flesh. Sure, you can have sanitizer. (laughs) Sure, you can distance yourself. But you still got to be out there in the world, baby. You got to grind. You got a family to take care of. All right? You want money in your pocket? You want clothes on your back? Well, you work for that shit. Randy Michael, your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I'm not a big hustler myself, though. Are you a rustler? Uh, No. Okay, I tried. A rustler is a sandwich in the South, by the way. It's essentially a chicken fried steak as a sandwich. It's called a rustler. I don't know why. It's delicious. Until next week. All I need is cherry pie. Cherry pie until I die. Do you want to well how is everything going guys uh given the the state of the world how are you guys holding up um holding up pretty well honestly hanging in there for what it is where where are you guys based out of uh we're in philadelphia oh okay yeah russell and oksana you guys went out there for puff was that Two years ago? Three years ago? What was oh, that, God, it feels like a decade ago. I, we went out there Four? for uh, Puff 2 and 3. I don't know. We covered it on the show. Yeah. So there's a timestamp that I could have looked up before this, and I didn't. I think it's been at least three years. Yeah. That sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. I did not make it because uh, even before the quarantine, I didn't travel. So that's usually how that works. But uh, yeah, gl- glad to have you guys on the show. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, man. All right. So, uh, I understand you guys have got an Indiegogo. Like, um, how how's that going? No, no pun intended. Uh, It's going going pretty well. We got thirty five days left on it. Um, Our goal is ten thousand. We've raised eight hundred and sixty four so far. Whoa! What the fuck? No way. Thousand. No. no. <laughs> I wish. If we raised I was, that much, dude. I'd be so happy. <laughs> well, okay. Here, to give a little context, uh, Jill Brandon, I, I met you guys going out there. Um, I hate flying, but I have a, uh, a strong passion to help support my friends. And I knew Madeline needed us out there. <laughs> and, you know, here, here's a little... Uh, Context. So we have a mutual friend, Marbles, RIP. She died. I don't know if you guys knew. And uh, 
not from the COVID though. You know, inside <laughs> jokes don't transfer over. You know, that's the thing. It's right? fine. It's fine. It's for the audience, okay. not not sure. our guests. You just want to uh, confuse and, our uh, guests. That's fine. So, the first time I met her was in the lobby of an Alamo, and uh, it was slightly awkward. And uh, the first thing she told me is that she ran a film fest in Philadelphia. And instantly I lost interest in talking to her because I thought she was like some highbrow critic who had flown out and misinterpreted what me and Oksana do, which is, you know, review lowbrow horror movies. So after Puff won, she came back and we we got to know her more. And uh, I was shocked to find out that she actually ran like a genre fest that showed a lot of the shit that we like. So for the next two years, we flew out. And she introduced me to Jill and Brandon as the East Coast Overlook, where she's like, yeah, they're like a couple and they're community builders and they they basically do all the hard work of running the lobby at my film fest. So uh, how did you guys get to meet Madeline? Uh, We were actually in the first Puff uh, Festival a couple of years ago. Yeah, Do you the, remember what film we showed at that uh, point? That was... The first one that we showed, we showed a short called Good Night, I think it was. Or no, not Good Night, Marionette. Yeah, that was that long ago. Yeah, it was really long ago. Yeah. What was that uh, about? Absolutely. Was that like a short uh, film? It, it was a, a micro short about like four minutes maybe, and it was about a, a crazed puppet master turning people into puppets. Oh, right. And then uh, w- you, racket? You, uh, you finagled that into a job of running the lobby at the film fest <laughs> yeah i mean brandon loves promoting things online so we just kept promoting that we were in puff and when we finally got to meet madeline at the festival she was excited that we were excited to be in the festival it was the first time we were showing our film somewhere outside of an event that we were running ourselves and so we just like hit it off and i think the following year she was talking about running the sec the puff too and we asked if there's any way we could help out or what they needed and somehow we ended up becoming the lobby yeah. Now, I think I, I failed painting the picture of what Puff 1 actually was. Now, Puff 2 was in like a, it was in like a, what, a theater area, not meant to like screen movies, but to actually have stage plays. And uh, they re-outfitted it and it was very cool. It felt like, it felt like a cool hip, like art thing going on. So it was down in an alley. I don't know. It was very rad. But Puff 1 was above a, a what, a taqueria? Puff One was over a couple of different locations. The night that our film played, I think we were in uh, a coffee shop, and yeah. there was I was crammed in a coffee shop, and it was I think they had to turn some people away because we hit capacity of how many people could fit in the local night. Yeah, before screening. the fire marshal would uh, come in and like <laughs> shut it down. It's punk rock, man. <laughs> Damn it! I wanted it to sound more lame. That actually sounds yeah. like it was successful and cool. It it was you know what for for it being the very first festival to to want to show our film, it was really really awesome we didn't care where the festival was we were just excited that someone saw our stuff and wanted to show it so we we brought our, our parents out to the, the coffee shop and all of our friends and the actors we all ran out to the coffee shop and sat there and we were we were just thrilled we didn't care where we were yeah, i mean anytime you have to bring up the thought of a fire marshal i feel like that's a pretty good start you know like we may pack this place out that's all right. So I, when you guys were involved with Madeline, and let's be very clear and honest here, you know we're all friends now. Were you ever off put by her energy? <laughs> I wouldn't say off put. I would say uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> no, she is wonderful. There was, I think, Puff three or two, or whatever. There was a point we all just started crying at one point. Like it thinks of Scott. We are all tired. Yeah, stressed. We all they, cried they for puff, a while. Puff three got got stressful, but it was never anything like negative with her energy if anything it fed off of it because 
at least it was motivational. <laughs> my bad. No, but she gets her off. she gets her own uh, intro music. Madeline, welcome <laughs> to the show. Um, no, we we love Madeline. Madeline's essentially a sister. That's why we talk shit on her at any time given possible. But um, yeah, I I never made it out there. Uh, Russ, Russ, you went to one or two, both or two and three. Okay. Um, what kind of events did you guys run before you you screened with uh, Puff? Uh, so we started running shows about 10 years ago with Tattooed Moms, a uh, bar in Philly, and we basically just shoved our friends out in a in the bar where like, we wanted a spot to show our films, and we dragged them out to have some artwork on the walls, and the thing just took off. We now show artists from all over the East Coast, and we've been running the shows for 10 years. Wow. Uh, before COVID, we had six or seven locations, and some of those have had to shut down due to COVID. Uh some of them will return, some of them will not, but oh. we have a whole community of artists and filmmakers. Uh, we also have a zine and, and different uh, group meetings that we do with artists and just try to build a community for them. Now, it's interesting. Like, we also do a lot of community, I mean, nowhere near what you guys are doing, but we try to put together screenings in theaters, and with this whole year of shutdown and, you know, like, indie theaters are just suffering from it. Do you guys see a lot more opportunity coming out of this for you, or is it going to be harder now that everywhere is closed? I see, I see a lot more opportunity, honestly, because I see um, utilizing the web a lot more and putting stuff online, making it more convenient, and then when you know the world kind of will open up again, I see more people urging to get out and see these things more. So I see it blossoming into something a lot, a lot bigger than what it was in the past because people were denied it for so long with this pandemic that they're just going to want to get out there and be like, yeah, I need to, I need to go out and see this thing because I've been cooped up forever. Dude, Brandon, I think me and you are the only people that feel that way. Right now I'm <laughs> like, everybody's locked at home, so let's get our shit out there on the internet. And then we'll, you know, I feel like wherever we do something, people will come there. Because it's like, I, the community online is big, but it's not the same as watching a film than talking about it with somebody right next to you. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's going to come back. I just hope that a lot of the businesses that were like friendly to us are still going to be around. Yeah. And out here in San Francisco, we're going, well, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if people are listening to lockdowns anymore. But as of yesterday, uh, we're recording this, what, Sunday, December 6th or something. Uh, Newsom just issued, like, the strictest lockdown yet. And um, one of our homes, the Balboa Theater, they had been surviving by, they adapted to outdoor screenings and they would just have movies playing. You could come sit down and order food and that's how they were kind of getting by. But with the new stricter lockdown, basically all they can do is drive by and we can hand you popcorn. And it's like, oh, man. With a robotic arm. Yeah. <laughs> Bubble Boy comes yeah. out. Yeah, so I don't... Uh, how are all the venues doing over there? We're struggling. Uh, I think it's... There are some spots that are figuring out creative ways of making it work. Thankfully, we've got a spot in Delaware that we work with that is able to have some concerts coming back and some, some things so we can have some artwork over there, but... Uh, things are definitely a challenge. I mean, we're kind of just like holding our breath and hoping that it's definitely going to come out the other side. Uh, during the quarantine, we decided to bring things more online and we developed a zine to highlight our community that we would normally be showing uh, in person and trying to push them online. But 
Uh, I agree with Brandon. I think eventually when things open up, we will have people that are willing to come out and, and jump to it. But it's been a challenge. Uh, most of our venues are closed down. Our restrictions are, are tough over here. Most of our stuff, we can't be inside a lot of uh, outdoor eating and delivery. But with our weather change and it getting colder, it's getting very limited. Yeah, because I think Philly's on lockdown until January 1st. Yeah. Oh, at least damn, that was the geez. date that they gave us. Jeez. Yeah, at least you guys are talented, though. Like over here, I, I talk a lot about community building and event organizing, but really we only do like one or two things a year. And on our downtime, we pretty much do the podcast and like a few film reviews online. But you guys are act actually out there like making film. So what's what's your priority totem pole? What's on top? Do you like the event organizing more or do you like the filmmaking? Uh. I don't think one uh, overlaps the other because they kind of go hand in hand. Um, the community building with uh, the art shows and everything like that, they helped they helped fund our filmmaking. Like uh, it's pretty much nonprofit. Like we make no money, no pocket money with it. Everything goes into the next project, whether it's filmmaking or the next show. So they kind of work hand in hand. Um, without one, we wouldn't have the other. Yeah, the horror community kind of has like this weird um, entry level requirement too. Like you can move on to the next echelon if you've made a film. Like when you're out there, like if you do like a film fest thing or you know, like it's a boss fight. It's different for us coming in because it's like, oh, we have a podcast. It's like, yeah, who the fuck doesn't? You know yeah. what I mean? And I, even though I feel like uh, filmmaking, oh, I don't want to say it's easier. I guess it's easier to make a bad film than it is to make a bad podcast. Is that fair? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've proven that for 223 episodes. Yeah, you are correct. I don't know. So, all right. I'm interested in how uh, you guys work as a team. Over here, me and Oksana, I tend to do all the uh, the people work, like uh, the direct contact, keeping up with like more intimate uh, connections, and Oksana does everything else she does all the fucking social media she keeps all the dates like how do, how do you guys share your juggling act you want to take that one <laughs> well uh yeah so i primarily run all of our events and our community side of things brandon is more focused in the film side of what we do uh so i'm the one that's generally organizing and planning and, and communicating with people and things like that for the most part uh brandon's the one writing scripts and, and writing short stories and all these different things and um organizing casting and all these different elements so uh there's a, always a list there's always a lot of things to do uh, yeah pretty much our google keep is a mess yeah. <laughs> dude there's always shit to do i i was at like i'm assuming both of you guys have like regular jobs too right yeah i just got back from mine oh geez like, i worked the shift this morning at 6 a.m and got home and we hopped on yeah but how long have you been doing that like, I feel like I've, dude, like the 40 hour a week thing has been kind of a loose goal to get away from. It's like, you know, eventually in two more decades, maybe I could stop doing this thing. Like one of the little satellite things I'm doing could maybe be self-sustaining. But ultimately, I know that's probably not true. Like, I, like, do you, I don't know, is that a dream for you too? Oh, yeah. I, I would love for us to be able to to make a living off of off of what we're doing. You know, like one of one of our main goals, you know, is to have a fully functioning like uh, 
studio workspace slash gallery where artists can come and we hold workshops and everything like that. We would love to make that a reality, but right now it's 40 hours at the day job and 80 hours on this stuff a week just to <laughs> make it, you know, to what we see fit. So how how have you guys pivoted during this whole thing of like, we're, we're knocking on a year now of this nonsense. And um, so how have you guys transferred over to really more of, you know, trying to work with, you know, on screen relationships rather than, you know, in person events. Has that been a thing? Well, we, uh, it's definitely been a challenge for a long time. We were not sure what the hell to do. Um, and we, every single week, we do a Google Hangout with artists in our community and we just gather from our homes that haven't started before pandemic and that's become stronger through the lockdown of just kind of connecting together, showing what we're working on, talking and, and just hanging out. And that's kind of kept us going motivation wise. We, started the zine uh, as a way of showing our community on an online platform. Brandon hasn't stopped writing. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world. He keeps writing like we're going to film tomorrow. We actually were able to shoot the trailer for Aphasia during lockdown, and we just took every single precaution we possibly could and did it. Everyone came out the other side of it. Now, Brandon, with this lockdown, has that sort of helped the writing process? Of kind of, you know, you, you don't have a whole lot of outside um... – distractions now where you you're able to just sort of zero in uh honestly like i'm writing i'm writing a lot more now because of that but i don't think it, it helped or hurt it because i'm pretty much a recluse to begin with like we don't really go out that much unless we've had events going on feel you there and brother. we didn't we didn't stop working so yeah we never had any furlough or any pause from work honestly we've Picked up more hours at the day job. Yeah, during pandemic. So. But th that's a blessing within itself. Yeah, you, on absolutely. Yeah, my end. I actually had. I think I had about two months where I couldn't go to work, and uh, they were paying me still. And I was like, "Wow, this is the dream. I can do it now." <laughs> and I had all this stuff, and I was like, "I'm gonna write that script. I'm gonna clean the house. I'm gonna." And then the two months were over and they were calling me back to work. And I'm like, what the fuck happened? You beat the Star Wars game. <laughs> I did. I beat a Star <laughs> I did. I started playing fucking video games again. Like, I, we keep a similar schedule to you guys, except we used to carve out time to go to the theater and watch movies. And I would kind of be like, well, now I get to talk about it on the show. And it's a good way to meet new uh, people that are doing similar shit that we are. And it, I, I was like, man, what's that free time? I can devote it all to this. And I just didn't. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think like work motivates us in a weird way. It's, it's a momentum machine or something. Yeah, huh. but we had to, we had a quarantine for two weeks uh, due to a positive case of work. And I was like, this is great. We're going to do everything. Everything's going to be, this is a dream. And then we sat on the couch for the first week. And then I think I worked the last two days yeah. of quarantine. I was like, I'm going to do things again the last two days. Yeah, um, it, it's so, so I weird. Think, honestly, the, the chaos of having the day job and having less hours to do things is what, what pushes me forward at this point. Well, I always, I feel like when I sit down, like me and Oksana sit down, it's like, we got, okay, here's an example. Here's a terrible example. Uh, our D&D &D game got canceled yesterday. Oh. And it's like, oh, my schedule, like something fell through and now there's a block of eight hours open, <laughs> which oh, realistically eight to 12 hours. But it's like, what are we going to do now? And uh, what the hell did I do yesterday? You got some cleaning done. We, we finally put away all the Halloween decorations. We took out all the Christmas decorations. I cleaned the garage. I, I did a, finally a like real workout. And then I came in. I'm like, all right, now it's free time. And 
I have about 30, 30 minutes of euphoria. And then I feel like there's like a weird creeping depression where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> it's like, I, unless I'm getting shit done, I, I don't know. I start to like implode and I ended I up feel guilty. Yeah. But it's, it's like, I've forgotten how to like relax too. I drove an hour to get a hot dog. <laughs> so you did better than me. God. No, for uh, real. I ended up writing a bunch of emails and I was like, you know, when I'm done with this email, then I'll chill out and I'll do something. But I don't, it never seemed appealing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I 100% get that. It's, it's like, you know, you want to, you want to chill, but then it's like, oh wait, but I could do this and I should do that. Like when you're already in that mindset of, of just going, you don't want to stop. And I, and I agree with you, what you said earlier about like work being like a, like a motivational thing, primarily because it's like, I don't want this to be my life and I have to work to get the fuck out of it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if there's a light at the end of the tunnel for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Guys, I want I want to know about what the the whole indie film scene is in Philadelphia because here in San Francisco, the the goal pretty much now and for a while has been get out and you know the goal is obviously L.A. So being that Philly's so close to New York, is that sort of is it sort of the same complex situation or you know or, or is Philadelphia able to um, harness these filmmakers and and have a a, a nice community. I'd say the the Philly indie community is it's its own monster. Um, a lot of people that that we've worked with, very few of them have a have a set on L.A. Some of them went, some of them want to, but the majority of them enjoy the Philly New York atmosphere, primarily Philly because it it is a really nice community. Everyone, you know, uh, helps each other out. If you know, you make a call and you can get people to to jump on projects left and right. Um, you know, the nicheness of that is is pretty tight. But no one, no one that I've talked to recently was dream was dreaming of like L.A. or New York. They really like the uh, the hard force of Philly and working in that kind of like gritty nature. I think even when we're just doing, we're currently doing a casting call for the the remaining characters for Aphasia. Most of the actors that are applying are applying from New York to come to Philadelphia yeah. to be a part of the project. Wow. Yeah, Philadelphia was beautiful. When when we first went out there, I think it was like lightly raining and they had a nice like urban. Which is your favorite. Yeah. And uh, me and Oksana were like, we could move out here. And then we went to, uh, you know, uh, Philadelphia's Unnamed Film Festival. And uh, we're just like, fuck, they got a cool community too. It actually felt like. When I went out to Puff 2 and 3, over here in the Bay, it kind of seemed what our community used to be before the heavy like tech industry and the gentrification. Like It, it kind of bottomed out. Like Our poor people culture was gone. And over there, it felt like, man, there are like, actual artists still here. Like, like We kind of have that in the East Bay still, but, well, God, a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> But but after COVID, who knows? Because it's it's the real estate prices are dropping. Yeah, uh, everybody's but, moving out. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it, it's it's a weird spot. Yeah how how's Philly been weathering that? Like I know New York and San Francisco, we've been having like mass exodus out of our our towns, but I, I don't hear a lot about Philly. I think people are staying put. If not, like people are are moving into 
other houses in Philly. Like, nobody wants to leave. Like, we're getting more people coming. Like, I know when the outbreak kind of, like, blew up a little bit, it was because people were moving to Philly from New York. (laughs) We got, like, an influx of people, and they've been loving loving it, honestly. Now, are, are you both Philly natives? Yes. Yep. Yeah, see that that speaks a lot. That speaks a lot to the town right there, uh, because uh, Russell, you're you're a you're a Bay Area native. Yeah, and uh, I I'm an import or export. How's that work? Yeah, you you fled. I did. Fled. <laughs> have you ever been to Philly? I have not. No, you're missing out. <laughs> Clearly, I miss out on a lot of you things. Know, I I went I went down to uh I went over to Pennsylvania, and we were it was it was a work thing, but out there too it was like man. This is beautiful territory, and there was always the appeal of you could drive to New York if you missed that real dense urban thing. And mm-hmm. out here in the Bay Area, we just don't have that culture. I, I, who referred to it? Somebody had referred to it as a car, a car culture out here, and they couldn't have been more correct. Like, um, we have BART and like you know, like similar kind of light rail stuff, but it's just not the same, and it doesn't go far enough out. And I think. Our, our events kind of suffer from it because we don't get a lot of foot traffic from like neighboring small towns. Yeah. But like out in Philly, I got the vibe that people, I mean, you could drive from 45 minutes and you'd be in another city and it would just, I don't know. It felt like it was thriving out there. And uh, I, it's definitely that way. Like you can, Philly's public transportation is absolutely insane. Like you can hop on a bus and go to pretty much you know, outside Philly, like super easy. Like the trains can take you all over Pennsylvania super easily. And the public transit is, it's so, it seems convoluted and crazy, but it's the simplest thing ever. It's all on a grid. But that also really helps the events that we run because we, most of our events are located near public transportation and near the subways that it makes it super easy for people to travel and get to the show and drink and have a good time that uh, we actually ran into the problem of having some events in Delaware that wasn't that weren't located near uh, public transportation. We had a significantly less attendance because most of our community travels by the train at this point. Yeah. So that's something yeah, that's that's huge. Mind. Damn. You know, I, I feel I, uh, I find myself lethargic talking to you guys because I have so many good memories of just going out there in like a crowded theater. That was, yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's change the tone. You guys have still been busy. But what the, what do you do in your free time? Are you guys like big Mandalorian fans, or do you have time to watch horror movies now? Yeah, and I, we are watching Mandalorian. We're fully caught up on Mandalorian. All right, well, I'm not. Don't spoil it. Oh, <laughs> Russell, this last episode. I know. I've and I've been following all the controversy. I was there when they were mad at Baby Yoda eating the eggs. Um, we did a it's bit not on Baby that. Yoda now. I know it's got a name. People were pissed about that. Have they uh, placed a gender on it? I'm sure they're not be. yet. <laughs> What else are you guys watching? Queen's Gambit, uh, Good Lord Bird. Uh, no, watching a lot of Bob's Burgers. Bob's again. Burgers. All right, good on that. <laughs> Keep going with Bob's Burgers. Stay away from Queen's Gambit. Yeah, uh, you know what it is. It's like it's so hard to to watch like new stuff. I got we got through ten minutes of the new Castle Freak before I had to shut it off. Oh shit! Oh boy! Yeah, we just uh, got a PR about that. Is what is it? Is it terrible? Uh. Kind of, um, it, 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 
Don't just, hold back. Strayed. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just trying to think of like how to phrase it because like it strayed so far from the source material that like I don't know. I I I'll, I'll give it a pass because I I think it's the director's first film and he was a makeup guy and um it must have said Fangoria's name on it about eight times. Oh no, marketing's uh, very important. I I will get through it eventually but just like the 10 minutes that i watched i was just like cool let let castle freak just kill them like, how, I, <laughs> how, how did it look like was it a uh nightmare on elm street kind of remake where the whole thing is just kind of like gutted and inversed or no, it, it looked gorgeous like visually it was very beautifully shot like everything about it like the atmosphere like seemed right but uh, I don't know. Like, it looked good, but the people in it were kind of terrible. And yeah, I, I prefer I didn't see where the story was going. I prefer Mind Freak over Castle oh Freak. Oh God, so. get the fuck out of here! Now, <laughs> you said something kind of scary that I think uh, weighs heavy on all film fans right now. There is a lot of shit to watch. It's too much, and um, you know, I'm up on the news. I pay attention to the news. No, you don't. And I'm sure all of us have heard. Uh, the AMC beef with Universal, where Universal's saying they're not going to show their movies anymore. Or the reverse, AMC says they're not going to carry their films anymore. Have you guys heard that? I thought I, they squashed uh, that beef. Are you sure? I think they squashed it. The big thing now is that um, Warner is going to do the uh, simultaneous release yeah. with HBO. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are just talking about how our culture has been affected by this lockdown. And how it's kind of sped the clock up on a few things that were inevitable. And, uh, dude, it makes me so mad how often people are like, well, films were going to go anyway. And they're just talking about theaters becoming extinct. And I, I, in the back of my head, I know indie theaters will probably never go away. And I think you guys can attest to this, too. Because when you have local curators kind of doing the thing and they can create a dialogue about a film, it's a completely different monster. And that's why film fests are so great. But when you go to like a popcorn plaza kind of place and, and have you guys been to a movie during COVID as Philadelphia allowed theaters? They, they have, but we haven't gone. Um, it's, it was like 10, like 20% capacity or something. I, don't like know. That. I mean, like for us, I think like in Philadelphia, like, People are still going to the movie theaters, or they were before. Like we haven't been to a movie theater in a very long time. No, the last uh, movie we saw was It Chapter Two. Yeah, in the theater. Oh, oh shit! I'm, I'm sorry. And I know yeah. pro that's probably just because y'all are workhorses, though. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, I think like the indie film theaters are always going to exist, especially in Philly. I also think like we're kind of taking a reverse of things. Like now, like drive-ins have become the biggest thing in our area. Right. Uh, we only had like Mahoning drive-in, I think was the biggest one we had in our mm -hmm. area. Now there's everywhere is turning up with a, uh, a drive-in movie theater. So I think eventually it's going to, movie theaters will come back in their own way. I mean, yeah. Tower Records just came back online. Like everything's going to come yeah. back. Wait, Tower came back? It did. Yeah. On a, like they so brought their web, like they got their website up and it's tower, like towerrecords.com. <laughs> yeah. They have I mean, music again. not the, uh, the religious return I was hoping for there, but <laughs> I'll take <laughs> we'll it. Take what we can get. Fuck. Well, okay. So I'm, I'm taking a guess here. Have you guys talked about trying to buy a theater? We have not. 
No, that, that actually hasn't been a thought yet. No. Now it sounds All like right. a good idea. Though. Right? I know. That's what we've been. We like we have like a little G chat and we kind of just. It always starts as a joke, except I feel like everybody in their heart. The, is, <laughs> it starts out a joke, but the excitement is very real. It's it's palpable and it builds so quick. And we're like, hey, look out here. Here's a theater. And it's like, oh, shit. It used yeah. to be a bowling alley. Oh, <laughs> shit. And they added three screens. Wait, what happened? Oh, there was a flood a year ago. Oh, oh damn it. Yeah. And it's like, but the price is going down 200,000. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, they have a liquor license in the building. It's, and it's like, man, if, if that market really bottoms out, I do think they, they are, they're fucking little cathedrals and people will come back and it doesn't, I know the films, oh man, I don't want to say it, but the films almost become secondary to just the uh, community. And I mean, start looking at uh, theaters over there. <laughs> we'll, we'll create a franchise. We'll start buying up theaters all over the country. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. I I, dude, it's getting cheap out here. And uh, one thing, uh, California, we haven't been able to say about it is it's got cheap real estate. So, <laughs> right? I don't know. All right, so so let's turn and focus. Let's talk about uh, the feature aphasia. So, so what can you guys tell us... Um, you know, you're in the campaign right now. You're trying. You're fundraising right now. Uh, but what can you tell us about this? This uh, your first feature. Uh, so the the spiel that or the tagline rather of what I've been just starting to kind of use to help promote it is that like it's not a remake, it's not a prequel, and it's not a fan film. Um, it's an original idea that kind of pulls from sources source materials that we really enjoy, like characteristics from twin peaks with gore of evil dead um it's a possession film but we're trying to make it not your average uh possession film so you want to you want to combine sort of the tone of twin peaks with that sort of mysterious kind of more of like their their character traits okay they're a little like one of the main protagonists is a little off kiltered in a very like enjoyable fashion and the tone around it is just like uneasy and everything's going to be very warm and uncomfortable like this show (laughs) (laughs) now when you mention the tone of twin peaks it instantly i'm thinking of like melodrama or like hyper reality is Uh, is that what you're talking about sure yeah like how how would that impact a possession? Uh, mainly, like when it, when it comes to leading up to the actual full on takeover of this poor girl of the uh, sleep paralysis that she goes through and and nightmares. Um, there there's some very surreal nightmare scenes that really haunt this poor character and. Um, just really rip her apart. So the main character of Sarah is a workaholic and she had some, some shit happen at work that really pushed her over the edge and she hangs herself at work. Oh shit. (laughs) And um, like right in the middle of her cubicle, she, she hangs herself and she's, she's brought back, but with her suspended in that in between left her body completely open so when she comes back, she comes back with something and that's slowly growing over her, which is causing her to kind of like 
essentially her will to grow weaker with these nightmares and sleep paralysis and night terrors of these creatures coming into into her psyche essentially before they fully take over now did you were you watching a possession film when this came to you i feel like i love digging into subgenres of horror and i almost always am inspired to write something after i'm annoyed how a movie missed an opportunity uh i don't think i was watching i don't, I don't think there was a particular one that i was watching i think I think I wanted to play on the idea of, of sleep paralysis and how it feels like that there's something always there. And the the idea of, uh, you know, you leaving your body and having an outer body experience and something else coming in is always haunting to me. Have you, have you ever dealt with that issue? I've had sleep paralysis numerous times. Really? Shit. It sucks. <laughs> At this juncture, I'll, I'd give it a go. I'm pretty bored. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's so, not, so, 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 uh, what, what, what is that? What is it like? Uh, well, it's I. I never saw a lot of people say they see like figures or they hallucinate. I've never hallucinated, but I've had like weights on my chest, uh, difficult difficulty breathing, um, hard times moving, and. Like there, there would be times where like I would lay, uh, you know, in bed and trying to get up to do go to the bathroom or grab a drink and I just can't. So that sends me to like flip out internally and then once I can regain myself, I just shoot up and hyperventilate pretty much. Now, Brandon, I, I definitely don't want to take away from anything any uh, suffering that you've uh, taken from this. Um... Uh, this particular uh, affliction. However, everything that you're describing is something that I struggle with while I'm awake. Uh, breathing, wanting to get up to go to the bathroom. Th these are all things I struggle with the day to day. The difference is I'm motivated to do those things that I just can't. <laughs> now, have you ever seen uh, Rodney Asher's movie, The Nightmare? I have not. Was that more the, was that the documentary? Yeah, yeah. the guy who did uh, Room 237. Uh, I watched bits and pieces of it. I remember Netflix had it for a while. So as as um, somebody who's going through this, d does it seem to flare up when people talk about it? No, it kind of happens sporadically, honestly. Okay, yeah, that was a theme in the documentary. And they do play a lot with like reenactments, and there's kind of a, um, like a faux element to it. like Like, I don't know. I always got the feeling like they were kind of blending, um, I don't know, fiction in there. And I'm trying to tread lightly because I believe the, the subjects in the film. But I had a weird experience with it where uh, Rodney actually came out to the Bay Area and they did a screening at um, what we call the Little Roxy out here. There's the Roxy Theater, which is like historic, maybe the oldest, oldest in California. in the state. And, excuse me, the country. Yeah, in the country. And then next door is a bar. And then next door to that is a theater they call the Little Roxy, which is like a room with a projector in it. And uh, needless to say, it was a very intimate setting. Seats about 40. I, yeah, I think it's like yeah, 43 people. And it was packed. And we brought one of our, uh, one of our Overlook family members out there, a reviewer. And the film... Oh, man. Okay, now I don't... I think he's got OCD. Like, he takes medication for it. And he had this adverse reaction 
to uh, what he later referred to as a verbal disease. And just playing off, like a lot of the people in the film say, the more they talk about it, and like as they start to acknowledge it, it manifests in their life again. So there are people who are like, I haven't had it for like years now. But, you know, when we started doing these interviews, it came back. And now, I believe there was a school shooting right around the time of the screening. And our buddy jumped up out of his seat and started pacing up and down the aisles in this very little theater. And uh, Rodney was... He didn't leave the theater? He didn't leave the theater. That sounds about right. He was just going up and down in the aisle. Yep. And uh, people in the rows started noticing and turning around. And I was like, oh my God, if anything happens here, I'm going to have to tell them like, like, hey, he's, he's cool. We'll leave. But it left. Like it, it ended and nothing happened. Then... He wrote a review because the Overlook thing, um, you know, we get like at least five people together and we try to uh, review, you know, little horror films in kind of a community setting with like a dialogue that they don't normally get when they're just on Amazon Prime. And uh, he submitted one and he gave it good reviews and was like, hey, man, truly terrifying. Then the next day I hung out with them and he said, hey, I have a new review for you. Don't read it out loud and don't ask me about it. And I looked at it. He said <laughs> one star. This movie is of uh, intellectual disease. Nobody should ever watch it. They should lock it up. And I went, dude, how can you hand me something like that and tell me not to talk to you about it? And he's like, I'll just tell you, I slept for five minutes last night. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> what the hell? I so, think that's just like, that's just the power of influence, I, I feel like. And uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. I think I think it's one of those ideas where, like, if you look at someone that scratches their head and you start to feel itchy, I think it's that kind of mentality. Yeah, yeah. We are very um, social beasts, the human. And, I, you know, I don't... I, I don't think sleep paralysis is like that. Like, I believe you have it because you're a freaking maniac who works all the time. And from what I heard, it's just, it's a struggle. The, the brain and the body are out of sync. One needs more rest than the other. And your, your body's starting to wake up before your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, that's why I'm saying, like, I've never had hallucinations like a lot of the people I've talked about. I've just, you know, yeah, my brain was going faster than any other part of my body. <laughs> now, do you, do you panic when you're in that mode? Are you, like, terrified? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> Like, it's a feeling that it, it'll take me maybe about a minute before I realize like what it is like after it happened more than twice. And I kind of got not necessarily used to it, but knew what to expect with it and like freak out for, for a little bit. And then I can bring myself down and let my body do what it needs to do. And I mean, you know, the my average sleep cycle is about three hours. It doesn't help any of it. Oh, you cut out briefly right there. You you said your average um, sleep cycle is like three hours. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking rough. Wait, you woke yesterday, Clark. You were walking around the house going, "Man, I only slept in increments of like what two hours? Two hours, yeah. Yeah, you were not pleasant to be yeah, around. I slept under six. <laughs> I I need seven and a half. If I don't have that, then we're in trouble. I'm a Leo. We Jill, need sleep. Brandon, how much do you need? Me, um, I probably like a normal person. Like I sleep like a normal person. I don't know. 
It doesn't matter. He can have all these problems. I sleep through the entire thing. I, I just, we work <laughs> early in the morning, so I probably fall asleep at like eight, nine o'clock, and then we work at six. So it doesn't take much for me to go to oh, sleep. Oh, see, man. But I'm also always tired, too. It doesn't matter how much I sleep. I'm just still tired. Yeah, but it's weird when you're not tired. And I've, I've been living my life tired. And I don't know what it's like not to be tired. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> No matter how much I sleep, my eyes still burn. It's just <laughs> Now, what about you, Clark? You live your life tired? Nope. I know. <laughs> nope. <laughs> You're over here complaining about sleeping and shit. You're always relaxed. That's not true. That's It takes a lot of work to be relaxed. Uh, Thank you very much. I'm just a man <laughs> of, of leisure. I'm a lounge lizard, baby. Uh-huh. I also make a lot of jokes about hanging myself at work. <laughs> it instantly made me want to watch your film. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. There, there's no, you're not like uh, trying to tell us anything, right, Brandon? No. no. <laughs> uh, you're not the first person to ask that. Um, with any of my scripts that involve things like this, like people will read them and be like, so how are you feeling? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. So I, I want to talk about casting for a minute. So Joe, you mentioned that um, you guys had put in the casting call, uh, but you, you guys have been making um, shorts for a while now. So do you sort of have like a a, a sort of a Rolodex of, of local talent that you're thinking about this? Or you 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 opening up this all for uh, um, you know uh, tryouts? What's going on? I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> You're good. Uh, so everything we do primarily starts with our community of, art, of artists and actors, and we reach out to them first and see who who from our bunch that we enjoy working with would fit the role. Uh, with this particular script, we had a few people that we reached out to uh, for some roles, and because of the context of the, the suicide attempt, some people were not comfortable with the film, uh, which we respected, and we had to start branching out into some other actors that we haven't worked with. Uh, but um, our lead... Um, is her name is Jessica and she has been with us basically since the very beginning. So we're really excited to have her on our actual first feature film. She's been with us since almost our first short film at this point. Yeah. Um, everyone on our crew has been with us for years at this point. So it's really just like very few people trickle in that are new. Mm. Like we welcome people. They just, we're always welcoming to whoever wants to come on, whoever wants to learn or be with us. Like we make things work, but, uh, it's always strange with casting because we have people we've known for years. So when we're trying to cast, we're not just seeing like if they look the way that we need them to look, we're just trying to guess their personality and hope that they would fit with us and the way mm. we do things. So. Yeah. But you guys do not seem hard to work with at all. Like from all the interactions I've had with you in the lobby, you guys are nothing but pleasant. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> no, we're not hard to work with necessarily, but we just like, we make shift things. Like I think uh, we've done, other film screenings where filmmakers are are proud to explain how how expensive their camera is and how big their budget was, and we're just like, yeah, we use some Home Depot lights that we had, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and like we just like we're proud of that. So I think some actors like come on board and they're just like, wait, we're shooting in your house? I'm like, well, we needed a bedroom, and I have a bedroom, so, like, <laughs> yeah. a bedroom. Um, and like we also like we cook every meal for our crew and actors and everybody, and like so I'm always cooking and running scripty at the same time and back and forth, and so I think they just like. Not to say that we're hard to work with. I think they're, they just watch us. It's more like observing how we do mm. things. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, untraditional. Is that, is that a good phrase? Yeah, non-traditional. Non-traditional. I'm a writer. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, we, we talk to a lot of, of indie filmmakers and, you know, you guys are, are right there on pace. It's like, you know, 
making shit happen. And that, that's what you got to do. And the fact that, you know, you put important things in place, like being able to feed the crew. Like, you know, if, if you're doing an independent production, you know, maybe you can't pay the people out of your own pocket. Maybe you can, but you can feed them. So it's those small little things that I, I think that, um, you know, anyone involved with the project, they, they definitely uh, take that as, um, you know, I, I'm in the right spot. Yeah, a, a, a fed crew is a happy crew, and Indeed. we want to make sure that they're taken care of. Uh, because you know, ultimately, they're they're doing us the huge favor by by coming out here and and working with us, and we want to make sure that you know they feel I don't want to say validated, but they they feel respected and they feel appreciate. welcomed and appreciated, and they feel at home and and everything like that, you know. Yeah, we have half the crew sleeps on the couch on the floor, and yeah. I make enough food, and I give them Tupperware containers to take home at the end of the shoot. Like we just we do what we can because we know where where our budget is and what we can afford and what we can do, but we can still be good people and take care of each other. So yeah, and I mean, so we have a buddy. Uh, he calls into the show a fair amount, and he works in the industry. And he was telling me he had gone back to set maybe two weeks ago. And I'm not going to name names or the movie or anything, but he was like, yeah, right now to do anything in the industry, it's really strict, obviously. So they they had a mandatory, everybody needs to have at least two COVID tests before they can even take a step foot. And his buddy tested positive. And he's like, man, I got no symptoms or anything, but I can't do it. So I'm going to tag you in. So he took his two and he told me he's, he's worked on a lot of indie sets. This was by far the shittiest production he's ever been on. And it's almost worse when you're a uh, professional level. So he gets in there. They call him in. He hasn't even gotten one result from either test back. Mm. So he's like, okay, that's weird. He gets on set. It turns out everybody's like that. They're Jeez. just like, uh, yeah, we haven't gotten anything. Then you want to talk about catering. It is very important. So they're like, ah, eh, well, they're doing the catering thing. The, the management's kind of a shit show, but they got food. So they go over in this building and they're like, this is weird. Uh, all the food is around uh, people not on our film. And they go up there and security meets them. And they're like, hey, man, what are you doing here? And it's like, oh, now I realized why the dude told me, if anybody asked you, say you're with blank. Basically, they instructed their crew to go next door and pretend that you're part of a different film set so you can eat their catering. Oh, boy. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, and then you compound that with like, oh, the tests are, you know, the results aren't even in. And we're, yeah. Hollywood's back, <laughs> baby. Oh, that's oh, not good. <laughs> and to make it worse, I think it might have even been like a remake film. Like it was something that like <laughs> people had no passion in the project either. Yeah. So mm. it's a shame about the artist too, you know? Yeah. Don't, don't ever feel bad because the money's not there. I think when people walk away. It's, you know, the, the family experience and uh, just the general mood on set is m most important. And uh, I, you know, I can just tell by the way you guys handled that hectic lobby that uh, people enjoy the hell of a, they just enjoy being around y'all. Well, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. I, I would sure <laughs> as hell hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always wanted to like just hang out with you guys like longer, but you were always like, you had so many balls in the air. You're just like working all the time. I think I stole a couple moments with you, Brandon, like after I think one of the local blocks, I got to like sit down with you for a minute, but yeah, I can't blame y'all. I know, I know how it is to keep the grind going. 
Well, when things open back up again, you guys will come to Philly. We'll take you around Philly and hang out and go look at theaters that we could all own. Oh, oh yeah. for sure. Start shopping around. Yeah. Now, no, without Madeline. I know. <laughs> now, I know you... Like that, that third day of Puff, it, it just became like whiskey coffees. Like, <laughs> that's all that it was. It was just like running on fucking fumes, and it's just like... We had most of the artists that were in the lobby were staying with us that entire weekend. Yeah. In our one-bedroom apartment. Oh god. We were That's that's it was a good time. It was a wonderful experience. At one point I think we had an art show running the same night as Puff and I was I had someone running the show for yeah. us and I was texting back and forth making sure that the show is was okay and I was about to run down the street to make sure things were fine. Yeah. It was a multitasking but weekend. We we did a show for Puff to to help raise money for Puff actually. Oh really? Uh, what was it? Oh fuck. Was was that the VHS show? I think it was benefiting Puff. Yeah, we we did a we did an art show called Be Kind Rewind, and it was all VHS themed. And all the artists did either like artwork where they painted tapes or they deconstructed VHS tapes and just made artwork with them. And we set up this like uh, pool table at the bar because Tattoo Moms has no TVs, so we brought three tube TVs and three VCRs and had <laughs> movies playing all night. And uh, Madeline was there and like running raffles and we we're raising money for the, for the festival and everything like that. I think that was at the beginning of puff two. I want to say probably it was a long time ago. Yeah. So you guys, I know I'm, I'm going to take a guess here. You've already got plans for when things open back up. What was the first thing on the itinerary? I think the first thing event-wise is going to be going right back to Tattooed Moms, honestly. That's been our home for 10 years, so as soon as they allow events inside, we'll be breaking down the door to be the first ones to come back. Um, we have a ton of events we've in the back of our mind. Unfortunately, a lot of locations shut down, so like we're just growing a list of things that might happen, should happen. We have some artists that run food trucks. Like We have a million dream ideas of what could happen depending on what the restrictions might be. So. Whoa! Can you talk a little bit about tattooed moms? I I've pulled them up. This place looks amazing. Yeah, they are a just a wild place. I think they've been open open for about twenty three years now. Sounds about right. Twenty two, yeah, twenty three years. Twenty three. Yeah. Uh, so they are just like this this like rock metal crazy graffiti inspired like inspired bar. Uh, Ten years ago, we um we we basically went there for Brandon's twenty first birthday, and we. Went in and Brandon got really drunk and I had to keep apologizing <laughs> to the bartender and begging not to kick out and uh, kick us out and we became friends and um we I think we randomly we saw like another event or something we're like oh they do events here and we asked if we could do a screening yeah and I was like I think I can drag some people to put up some artwork or something on the walls and everything just kind of became like I don't know I think we could do this and Tattooed Moms has been our biggest supporter for every step of the way they've been uh, taking care of us for ten years of. Uh, helping us towards budgets for films and, and looking out for our artists and making sure that we have food every time we show up for a show. There's always donuts or a snack waiting for us as a mm. surprise. Like they just have a huge community of artists and creative people in Philadelphia that they support and will love them. So I think through all the small businesses that I worry that won't come out the other side for the pandemic, I know that moms will make it out. Uh, they have an Indiegogo that uh, or kickstarted that just skyrocketed and everyone's been supporting mm. their staff and looking out for them. That's great. So. They're now, a good spot. They're just a really unique, uh, like unofficial graffiti museum. I think what they call themselves. Like yeah. they're just, they're just crazy, but they're wonderful. And 
now graffiti museum is probably the best way to imagine like uh for people listening and <laughs> early you mentioned that you you said you would bring art to put on the walls where the fuck would you put it the we walls are covered uh, so, <laughs> yeah so when we say like a, a lot of times with our art shows we explain that we are the furthest thing from a white wall gallery and that's because if you look up any photos of tattooed mom you will see the walls are covered with graffiti of just layers and layers of graffiti you can go in there anytime and and you know do whatever you want to do or if you need something that uh is more spray paint and we paste and need more space or ventilation uh you can schedule with them to do that um so we just literally just started hanging things on top because we weren't sure how to hang an art show initially and they're like oh it doesn't matter look at the walls they're falling apart just hammer it in and go. <laughs> Uh, so we did that. And then we have a venue now that, that is white walls and they, they want it to be hung at a gallery height. And I'm like, this is just odd, uh, because everyone just makes shifts. Like they, we encourage some artists that don't like the covered backgrounds and how wild it is to bring some backdrops and cover it up a little bit. And most people just own where they are and bring their weirdest work and just have a great time. Now, you know, I, uh... As, as a fan of uh, music, I've been to many a venue where they kind of had the, yeah, anything goes and you can fuck up the walls or like graffiti on them. Or, and normally <laughs> it goes one way where, oh, some, some failed band has bought this space and they don't give a fuck. They just want to play music. And it's, it normally becomes fucking dirty and gross. And uh, if you're out here in the Bay Area, the first thing I think of is like burnt ramen, where it's like, man, the energy is great there, but I they've never cleaned that toilet. Now, I will say, tattooed moms, they've got a picture of their bathroom. It looks fucking spotless. Except there's stickers on the toilet. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about <laughs> there's, that. There's, I mean, there's stickers on the toilet, but it's a clean toilet otherwise. Like, they are... They are clean. They clean the, the, you know, they clean the bar every night. It's not a grimy bar in terms of uh, cleanliness. Like they just let people do what they want to do. Uh, they generally, most of the furniture is from uh, an old carnival. Uh, so it's a lot of, you sit in go-karts and then they also have a lot of like Victorian like esque furniture that people just graffiti over. Um, so everything is clean. It's just wild looking. No, um, it, yeah, they it's have, crazy. They have the best menu. They have the most amazing staff with like crazy drinks with like cotton candy and pop rocks in the drinks and they have this ridiculous sandwich called the chub steak that's just like everything you want to eat on one sandwich yeah it's uh, like cheese steak with like tater tots tater and mushrooms, tots, and mushrooms on a wrap and sriracha sauce it's just ridiculous um, what a crazy blend it's like it's so good a good kitchen but like the the chaotic atmosphere that like uh i don't know young musicians would love well yeah i i think that um you know it, as us as uh you know san franciscans over here we we are envious of this sort of art meets working class vibe that philly uh. has been able to sort of maintain and i mean san francisco did have that for a very long time there are little pockets but you know <laughs> it is refreshing to see that you know this this can still coexist and and thrive yeah yeah it's really kind of gone here now like with the whole tech thing it just created this weird like Oh, there's rich people everywhere here. And this you this is Mission Street. <laughs> like what the fuck happened? And then you can see the like traffic kind of diverting because it's like, oh, we don't want all these cars here, so now it's only yeah. Uber, which kind of just lends itself to more people who can, you know, Uber everywhere. Yeah. It's just great to, you know, have this awesome place where you can have like a, a 
insane sa- tater tot sandwich where here mm-hmm. it would be you know a quinoa side salad well, and uh, it's some like, sort of it's authentic smoothie. you can tell that these dudes are just fucking into it yeah and they're into the community where is um where is tattooed moms was it anywhere near it on south street oh okay so it's, a, it's in south philly on south street Shit. have you guys shot anything there constantly yeah that was like numerous. i think when our when we weren't shooting in our bedroom we were shooting in uh we had a um back when we first really started uh shooting we had a web series for a while and the the it was an anthology series and the home base for the anthology series like the um the wraparound stuff was all shot at mom's um and it was just playing on that bar scene like we we shot Tattoo Moms is two floors. Uh, the first floor is like kind of more like dining restaurant kind of deal, and then the second floor is where like that punk atmosphere really, really settles in. And there's three rooms on the first floor. It's like the pool room, the bar, and then a back lounge area. And you know, Graf is everywhere. In that third lounge area, we shot like a mock commercial with a friend, and we turned it into a living room. Like we were able to like set up like wallpaper and make it look like a a single woman's apartment. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, just looking through Google images. I'm like, how the fuck is this bar laid out? Because they do, they have like an area that almost looks like regal and the walls are just like green. Again, I don't know how old these pictures are, but like pretty much what they look like. Yeah. So like uh, basically the owner's, uh, they made the downstairs look the way they wanted it to, and then they ran out of money, and they just said, like, okay, do whatever, like, let their community do whatever they want on the upstairs. Uh, so they had these artists that came out in the early years, and they covered the entire upstairs with these umbrella wheat paste that just covered every inch of the upstairs, every window, every wall, uh, and that pretty much, like, initiated the just, like, do-what-you-want type of uh, mentality. So they've just been a, a home for graffiti artists and artists of all sorts, and we just manipulated based on our needs every time. Uh, before pandemic, we were supposed to have a, a second Stephen King inspired show there. We were going to make a whole Stephen King museum in the back room. And we had uh, all different themes we've done in the past of, I don't remember what theme. We had so many shows That's there. So like every, everything we do, we do at Moms at the most part. And then like we've had film screenings. We've helped other people run shows. We've, uh, uh, we've we got engaged at Tattooed Moms during one of our shows. Like yeah. it's just been a huge part of our lives. Oh. So, Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so let's um, let's all bring it home with aphasia. So, how how much longer uh, do you guys have with the campaign, and then and then where do we go from there? Uh, the campaign has thirty five days left, um, which has uh, just to kind of shout out some of the perks that we got, which is pretty awesome. Um, some of the artists in our community actually donated artwork to help you know, raise the money and everything like that, which is really cool that our community believes in this project and, and helps believes in us. And uh, we had three pieces of original artwork sell to help make this movie, which was awesome. Um, but going forward with that, uh, we're just, we're going to keep grinding. Um, at some point, this movie is going to get made no matter what. And our our goal is ten thousand dollars, and if we raise five, we're gonna try and make it for five and keep going. Good, yeah. Indiegogo is the right platform. Then I know. I'd, how much work is it to do the Indiegogo? 
I've heard people just like denounce the whole crowdfunding thing altogether because of all the added work. But I imagine you guys could handle it. There's a lot of crowdworking, uh, crowdfunding yeah. options now too. I, to me, it's it's not it's not any different than pushing anything else that you want to promote. It's just like, um, you know, sh- share it on social media. Try and get out there in front of people with it. Try and make it as unique as possible and be honest. Like that's like the biggest thing. It's like be honest. Like yeah, it's hard work, but what's not hard work at this, <laughs> yeah. at this point? And if if it's easy, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah, that's and I think that's where a lot of people dig the hole. If they're like, oh, uh, yeah, $20 and uh, we'll give you a shirt. And it's like, but they have no idea what the cost of a shirt is or yeah. like how to do it. And then they're like, oh, we lost money on all these $20 shirts. <laughs> and then they end up tanking themselves. Fortunately yeah. for us, like uh, we do have like a jerks like merch bundle. We have all that stuff already. Yeah, like we also like we screen print our own merchandise. Like we do everything ourselves, so we don't promise anything that we can't uh, we can't deliver on. That we've learned from previous mistakes of our own and other mistakes that other filmmakers have made. So we uh, we have the perks that we can we can handle, uh, and then we have more artists every day that are offering to put more artwork into the Indiegogo and help mm-hmm. support us. And um, unfortunately, most of our income for our films came from our art shows, which are mostly on hold right now with pandemic, but. We're going to make shift it and figure out whatever we have to do to make it happen. How do you guys do the screen printing? Do you have like, where do you guys live? Are you in like a hollowed out warehouse and you got bunkers uh, yes. for everybody? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, well, eventually our goal is to have a whole, I, almost like a commune of a universe that'll have a theater now and a, we want a filming space and art show space and all that stuff. Uh, so in Philly, like there's just a lot of resources for things. So like I went to art school, traditional art school, you know, things and I learned how to screen print and another person that went there opened up a shop where you could just basically pay by the hour and, and bring your equipment and screen print. And I knew how to, so I was able to bring my, my stuff. And we had some college interns at one point that helped us make some merchandise and we just do it. So like when we were screen printing out of our bedroom and we were screen printing in the studio, we needed more space and we just find space when we need it. Yeah, the, the cool thing about Philly is like Philly was very industrial back in the day. So there's so many, especially like in our area, there's so many warehouses that were just left abandoned that people bought and turned into artist studios and artist spaces and and things like that. So they utilized them to, to the best of that ability. Yeah. And before pandemic, we did have a studio for a couple of years that we were sharing with different artists in our community to offer an affordable studio space in uh, what's called Fishtown in uh, Philadelphia and uh, we just we just make it work when we need something we find a way to make it happen. Fishtown? <laughs> yes, yeah. I guess that sounds weird to other people. Like, <laughs> the Fishtown Kensington area, yeah, it's, it's like unique. Cult of Dagon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, the dream. Man, I, I I share a similar goal where I imagine um, some property. And it's like, oh, and then we could put a studio over here and we could have blank over here and a guest house for people coming out. And that whole dream kind of revolves around getting out of the city. And I don't really want to do that. But, man, I've been thinking about it a lot because I'm like, I mean, we have a similar goal, but actually we want to keep it in the city. So near down the street from Tattooed Moms, there was a huge art store called Pearl. And they were basically like a forced, like a three story in basement, a huge art store that mm. shut down a couple of years ago. Uh, now it's partially a shoe store. Um, and I'm just like hoping that like eventually the shoe store will leave. And I'm like, well, we can have the filming on this floor. We could have the gallery on this floor. We can 
now we'll make part of it a movie theater on this floor. Mm. And like, we'll just like do it. Cause like for our community, it does have to be in the city. So going away from it goes away from where our community is, but we're just going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I, w- I want to get like, I don't know, 30 minutes out and I could commute in whenever we do a thing, but then I could also have room to like spread mm. out. Like we, we moved into a new place uh, two years ago. We've been here like two years year and a half. And um, one of our roommates dropped out. So now that's where the podcast happens. And it's like before that, we were like, well, we got a broom closet we could like shove into. And now we got like a, a little taste of room. And it's like, spoiled. Man, I wish I had a backyard. Like, I'm not complaining about our little deck, but it's like, we could actually, I don't know, we could have more room for activities out here. I mean, look, <laughs> when, when you have one bite, you want to have another. That's, I know. that's how it goes. Yeah. All right. Well, Jill and Brandon, uh, thank you guys so much. Um, it was great to talk to you guys, and um, we will we will try to do our, our small part in promoting um, anything that we can, including uh, this campaign. And uh, you know, you you you've guys got film uh, fans for life over here in, in San Francisco. So um, anything you got in the future, we'll be there to help promote it happily. Yeah. Well, thank we you. Greatly guys. We appreciate, appreciate that, and and we'll be putting you guys on blast as well on our end. And thank you for having us again i apologize for the backlash that will come after that (laughs) also i I have to tell you uh one of the shirts that i wear like every other day in my uh repertoire of way too many black shirts with like a logo on it is a green shirt with a logo on it it's one of my favorite and it's it's one of your guys it's the uh it's the jerks pumpkin logo oh yeah yeah. i see it once a week dude i rock that thing all the time all the time and people are just (laughs) It, the only comment it gets is like, it's not Halloween. And I'm like, this isn't <laughs> Halloween shirt, bitch. Yeah. Well, it just threw me off because it's a green shirt for me. I know. I don't have any. It's the only green shirt I own. That's not true. You have a, don't you have a green oh, long I, sleeve? I have a long sleeve. I have one See, other. See, I know, I know your closet better than you do. That's how rare it is when I wear color. Or that just shows you that COVID has affected us all <laughs> and we just know what each other's going to wear on what day. That's very sad. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We're, we're keeping the jerks dream alive over here. Absolutely. Thank you so Thank much. You. All right. uh, so before we cut you guys loose, um, please promote anything you've got, social media, anything anything you have. Oh, uh, all of our, you can find, we have our website, jerksproductions.com. Uh, Instagram is at jerksproductions and at aphasia underscore horror. Twitter is at jerksproduction, no S because it was too long. And <laughs> facebook.com slash jerks productions. And then, and then if someone w- does want to uh, contribute to the campaign, where, where can they find that? Uh, Indiegogo. I'm trying to read. If you, yeah. If you go Indiegogo and you type in aphasia, you go through any of our social media, you'll find it. Cause Indiegogo makes up these ridiculous uh, URLs. Yes. So. Aphasia horror film for Indiegogo. Yeah. Perfect. Now aphasia is with the P. Yes. A-P-H-A-S-I-A. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, it, I can't spell. <laughs> Russell misspells his name often. That's not a lie. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you. We love you guys.